Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. the boys in white and blue and we are back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, wet and a little bit snowy depending where you're living, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Meisenheimer. And it's another packed show. I just say that every week. I think you've taken it for granted now that we have another packed show. And it's a sad week, really, because it's the the first one where we don't have any MLS trading cards to open from 2011. But fear not, fans of that segment, the, <laughs> the two of you out there, as well as Zach, myself and Steve, uh, we will be bringing it back in a form. We're not opening more cards, don't worry. But uh, Zach and me will go over our teams and then throw it out to the, the listeners to vote as to who you feel has the best start in the living from the cards that we opened as and when we opened them. And we're going to do that on our Christmas show because it's all fun and games on that show until someone loses an eye or somebody loses a vote with the public. And then someone, me, will get very upset. Because Zach has pandered to the audience by no, going for no. fan favourites, whereas I have some some hated players in, in my team. But let's be honest. I, I put players I don't even like in my team. No. Not, but not to get votes, just because I think they would be the best for the team. It's all about the team, Michael. You got to put the team first. Yes, there, there's no I in team, but there is me. If you rearrange a couple of the layers. Anyway, how, how, how's your week been, guys? Zach, up to anything? Go see any fun films? Any Lego excitement? Because it's the st- it started December. You must be doing a Christmas Lego set. Uh, yeah, actually. So today we were, we have, we, we have this thing for our kids. We, last Christmas, we got some like kind of winter snowy Lego sets, but we told the kids, well, for my wife, my, the kids and I, we said no building them until it snows. And so today it snowed. So today we were building some, Lego sets from last Christmas. So my nice. wife's building like the Christmas market. I built the the ski patrol one, which is really sweet. Kirk was building a hot set. And Liza built hers last year, I think, when it did snow and we, and we didn't. So she was building an, an eternal set. And I and I also was building an eternal set today. They'll, they'll last forever. What about yourself, Steve? You still into the Lego as much. You don't mention it 
too much. I was never into the Lego. I was into buying Lego for my kids who were. Oh. So I was never in, like, I never. Oh, like a proper grown-up, yeah. Well, I, I'm not going to say that. I have no problem with grown-ups actually playing with Lego. That's fine. It just wasn't something I was interested in. Oh, um, I, I obviously, like, I, I play with little Subutio figures and other yeah, exactly. things from my childhood still, so that's yeah. totally fine. And um, I've been slowly building um, Zach's Doctor Who Lego thing yeah. very slowly. So yeah. I was, so that's two years thing, ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that happened for me was I moved from Bell to another uh, cell phone company, oh. and they sent me an email asking for reasons why or whatever. So I'm contemplating, should I... Uh, Message them that I'm not happy with uh, the fact that it took so long to get a number 10 or um, <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't agree with the Sartini appointment. I'm not sure. I'm just wondering who I should, what I should give as a reason. Oh, do oh it. just, just maybe see. I should, maybe I should put a poll out there for the public to uh, decide on what I response I give. Just game. say because they canceled 1040 before our show got on it. Oh, that's another one. Or Pete Chad is no yeah. longer the player. Yes. Play. Oh, so many reasons. Yeah, so many <laughs> well, yeah. actually, uh, I'm not going to mention that. Oh. I don't want to give up a plug either. Oh, okay. No. Oh, I'm with Kudo. I don't mind giving them a plug if they want to sponsor the show. Get in touch. <laughs> but enough of all of that. Let's get into the football chat now. And, well, we have to start off by declaring Canada is purple. It used to be just Vancouver was purple, according to Pamaduka. After Pacific beat the Whitecaps in the Canadian Championship, I think it's safe to say now, all of Canada is purple because BC is the home to the new 2021 Canadian Premier League champions. Take my hat off to Pamaduka and his band of merry men out of Langford, not Langley, Langford. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that at some other point, I'm sure. Wow, we were watching the game this afternoon. We were in our group chat about it. Delighted for Pap, delighted for all the guys at Pacific FC, the supporters as well. What a win, what an afternoon that was, Zach. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it's just ecstatic for Pacific and the players, the coaches, the staff, the owners, uh, all of them. Uh, just really, really happy for them. Uh, it, it, going into it, it was the kind of game where you're just like, you felt like they were the massive underdogs, both in like in all aspects. I mean, in uh, history, in you know um, s- squads, maybe you could say uh, injuries, um, media coverage. Like they were just the underdogs in so, in so many ways um, that it was great to see them overcome and and come out on top. It, it was, and I mean, we've got to be honest, Steve, they were a bit under the cost during the game, and I, I should say for anyone that hasn't been paying attention, Pacific FC beat Forge FC 1-0 in the Canadian Premier League Championship game on Sunday afternoon at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton, and for much of the game they were under the cost in the first half, 73% possession to Forge and they outshot Pacific in that first half 8-2 to two, and you're thinking this is one-way traffic, this is not the Pacific FC that we know, this isn't how they play, it's not their attacking style but they got the job done they took their opportunity Steve in that second half and just delighted for everyone as we said That's something you have to do sometimes, like everybody wants to see attractive football, everybody wants to see like 
um, you know, a, a, an advertisement for the game and, and for the CPL, like something going back and forth. But you're here to win a championship and you have to do what you can. The first half, I think they just tried to survive and see where they, they stood at, after the half and then make adjustments accordingly. And I think that's probably already worked in their benefit. The second half, there were moments. and But the thing is, you, you look at possession and how uneven that was. Shots on goal were the same on both sides. It was 2-2. Mm. And if you look at chances, pure chances, I think Pacific actually had more. Uh, they made, and they, obviously they made most of their chances as well. Well, yeah, because the, the winning goal came just before the, the hour mark. Whitecaps residency alumni, Alessandro Hojapur. And they nearly got a, a second after that as well when Josh Heard crashed one off the, the crossbar. And it was it was great tactics by Pa. He put that team out. He set them out in a style that I think it, it perplexed Forge a little bit. And there was talk of that post-game because they were surprised that they weren't their usual attacking self and were more defensive. But with everything that went on in the build-up to this, Pacific did it the hard way. And yes... I mean, you, you can't get past the fact that Forge just played in Honduras midweek. That is not ideal preparation for a championship game. They will have been tired. It was horrendous travel. They're not going to use that as an excuse, or are they? I don't know. But and, um, the thing is, is we talk about we talked about the MLS about how you know being off for so long didn't help any of those teams, and then on top of it. If you're gonna say that Forge was tired or whatever, they were they were dominating the game. Mm. So if they were dominating the game, how are they tired from I, the I, travel and things? Exactly. So that doesn't make sense to me. They just you didn't create the chances. Have, That's what it boiled down to. You have to pick one thing or the other. You just can't say they're tired and they dominated the game. I know Bobby Smirno said afterwards he hopes that no other team has to go through what they went through. And yes, I understand with COVID and not, you know, not starting at home, that's legitimate. But I really hate, and we, we see this a lot in Canada. We've seen it in Vancouver. I've seen it in Toronto. Um, I haven't heard so much of Montreal, but I'm sure it's happened there. It's like when teams do well, and then they are, as a result, in more competitions, they got to stop complaining about fixture congestion, like per se. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you can't qualify for these things and then say, oh, you know, but it's re- re- wrecking the rest of, you know, wrecking our league form or whatever. Like this is what it, like, this is what it takes to 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 be a, a good team is to be able to, to be a good team in all your competitions. And when you're good, you're going to be in more competition. So to say, you know, oh, you know, I hope no one else has to go through, you know, all the all these games. It's well, like this is a result of what being good is is more games. Yeah. And you, this is what you this is what you signed up for essentially. Exactly. Yeah. So obviously, obviously, COVID and stuff. I think you know hindered the overall calendar and schedule for sure. But I, I really hope teams get away from this in the future, complaining about this kind of stuff. Because I, And I know CPL doesn't have, a, by any means, a perfect scheduling structure at all. But um, I, I really hope, you know, I hope next year you're not hearing Pa talking about the burden of, you know, CONCACAF, Nation, or CONCACAF League play and, and how it's, you know, impacting them. And I don't think you will. I think he'll be like, yeah, this is what it means to be a top club. We want to be in these things and we're planning accordingly. Yep, and talking off things that Pa might say, let's just play a little bit of the post-game audio just now. We're going to hear some words from the goal scorer, Alessandro Hojapur, and from the man himself, the winning head coach, Pa Maduka.
Hey there, guys. Congratulations on, on winning. Just first question for Ali. When you look back at your own journey coming through the Whitecaps Academy, betting on yourself to, to leave the academy and go over to Bulgaria, then, then come back and, and winning a championship with Pacific, talk a little bit about your journey through football in the, the last four or five years. Yeah, I think everyone's journey is kind of a little different. We all have to realize that there's so many players, so many talented players that not everyone can take the highway one straight to the top. You have to go through different paths. And honestly, I'm super proud to be here. This is my path. And I'm super happy that Pacific uh, trusted me for the last three years. And I guess it's paid off, right? Like, yeah. Everyone's yeah, but, journey is different. Very much so. Um, pa, just a quick question for you as well. Like speaking to you the last couple of years, your knowledge of history in British Columbia, soccer history, has always been fantastic. How does it feel now to to write yourself into that history? Ali's words interest me like indescribable. No, but to be honest, this is this is why you play the game. You play the game, I always say to players, you play the game to leave legacy. And it's a part of legacy that nobody will ever take take away from them. Nobody will ever take away this. I know there was a lot of write about the three-peat for a team, but for us, we know going into this game that it was our destiny to make history. And that's the only one game that people will ever talk about. Right? And to have, to this point, when you talk about journeys, I've watched this young man here grow. I've watched him play for the White Caps and watched him grow. When Bulgaria come back, keep growing, keep growing. And now he's sitting here as a champion, scoring a this point, all paths in football are different, all journeys are different. But for us to sit here and say we are CPL champion, that's something that nobody ever can take away from us. Congrats, guys. Enjoy your night. I'm sure you will. Thank you. We're going to go to Zach. Yeah, congrats, uh, guys, on uh, on, a, on a massive occasion and massive achievement. Uh, Poff, for you, uh, obviously there's lots been lots to talk about the, the lead up to the game and the 15 days or the days you had to prepare. Um, a mutual friend of ours once said that football is a game of fine, fine lines. Uh, and today in a, in a final, we saw it decided on a set piece. I was just wondering how much uh, preparation you guys put into that. And was there anything that you saw in your preparations that led you to um, prepare in the way that you did and to, uh, to, the, to what led to the, the goal in the game today? For me, I'm very we always try to analyze all the games. You know, um, my wife will tell you that she gets sick of me spending too much time uh, watching the games. But you know, but you know, for me, it was very important to go back and watch all the games that we play for. And what I've always said to the boys since day one is like the games between them is about uh, attention to little details, right? And uh, the attention to the little details, we go to toe to toe with all of every single time that we play them. But then somehow, some way, they find a goal that, and we don't. But today, in the bubble, Ali can witness that I said to him after the first game, I told him all of them. It doesn't matter because the most important game is when we want to beat them. And that's what happened today. So when you go and you watch them, the set plays is part of this very huge now in today's game. And um, we spent, I'm not going to lie, we spent, one we spent only three days on the, on the set plays which was, again, in the beginning, Ali was supposed to be the decoy. 
but somehow, somewhere, you know, sometimes the decoy in this hole, and that's what Eli did. I would never thought he would score with his hand, but yeah, today was one of those days. We'll never go down in the history, you know. So for us, it's about the preparation, the mental preparation, because you know, when you never beat the team, obviously it will be in your back of your mind. And lead up to this game, you know, there was a lot of there was there was a lot of things that people were saying. You know, there was. There was one particular for me what was said two weeks ago, and um, I, I truly kept that in the back of my mind because I'm like, no chance that is going to happen, right? Maybe it was said in, in the midst of happiness, but for me, being an ex-player, you also got to respect Don't speak until you play the game. Yeah. Well, Hamilton uh, set out uh, a big party for you, Pa, for you and your players. I hope you enjoy it. That's the, uh, enjoy, enjoy your time. Of course we're going to enjoy it. Right? Always gotta, the best way to win is to win in any of these territories. Nobody can speak. Yeah. Oh, this is my island. Oh, this is my island. From the port on East right through the Mediterranean the time. Alessandro Hojapur, Pamadu Ka, just fielding a couple of questions from Zach and myself there after Pacific win their first, and I'm sure it'll be the first of many, CPL Championship titles. Few more things just to talk about uh, in this first part, just coming out of the game. I, I want to talk about the the coverage of the game and the build-up to the game. Now, obviously Twitter is always full of these East v West pissing matches and I, I have very little time for it a lot of the time. It's like everything, oh, where should Canada play their home games and etc, etc. And we've talked about this on the show. It's whatever's best, whatever the players want, whatever the coach wants. There's that side of it and I can't be bothered with that part of it. This week, one soccer was getting very heavily criticised for being so Ontario-focused and focusing on TFC and the uh, the Forge and uh, Ontario and, and Eastern bias. And they came out strongly and denied that, that criticism. And Gareth Wheeler himself was like, we do cover the Whitecaps and every single day and stuff, which they don't. And their, their social media doesn't certainly put out Whitecaps clips. And if you search, which people did, how many times I've mentioned the Whitecaps or Sartini and stuff compared to like TFC and Bob Bradley and all that kind of stuff, big discrepancies. So that was going on. Glass City got into some stuff with some of the guys there as well. And I didn't jump into that because I thought, oh, I'll just, I'll just stay out of it. I couldn't hold my tongue today. It was absolutely terrible. It was so bad today that my wife, that has no interest in football, even commented about how bad and how one-sided the the coverage was. It felt at times, especially after the goal, that there was only one team that was actually on the pitch, and that was Forge FC. All the talk was, oh, how are Forge going to get back into the game? Um, I missed this at the time because I was tweeting, and then Steve picked it up and, and shared it. I put it back and watched it, Pacific score, you get a little bit of celebrations, then it cuts to Henry in the Forge goal, and then it cuts straight to the Forge bench, looking miserable. You don't cut to Pamadou Carr, James Merriman celebrating on their bench, and it's like, 
if, if they don't want to be seen as biased, they need better direction, they need better coverage, their commentary needs to not just be so one-sided. The, the post-game celebrations, they're getting the medals, Pacific's starting to get their medals, and they're still talking about Forge. Scott Strosser, who has written for AFTN in the, the past for Cavalry, he's got a, a new job now, which is why he hasn't been writing for us, he, he sent a, a quote about it as well that was just unbelievable. As far as we're getting their medals, the, the commentary's like, they don't get the hero's celebration they so richly deserve here today. It's like, um, if they richly deserved it, they'd have won the game. That's, you, you deserve, you get what you deserve in, in football. That's how football is. I, I tweeted to, to you guys uh, on Saturday when it was the, the pre-game press conferences. One of the guys had asked Pa, it's a guy that works for Forge, he asked Pa the question, oh, uh, are you looking forward to coming here to spoil the party? And Pa's like, are you guys having a party? <laughs> that's that's what I was trying to joke with Pa at the end. Like, Hamilton yeah. put, put on a party for Yeah, you. I think he missed that. Yeah. I don't think he picked up on it, but it's like, I knew what the guy meant, but it's like, Pa just has no time for it. He just destroys questions. It's fantastic. But I mean... It was hard not to notice it today, Zach. It was very, very one-sided coverage. Yeah, and, and like, and I get obviously when you your home base and you live closer to a team, you know it better, and all that kind of stuff. Like, you understand it to a degree, but it was it was it was pretty awful. Um, the other thing, which is hard to ignore uh, for for me, or at least to not, it has to be brought up, is. You know all these people like who work for CPL and, and and you know that it's connection to one soccer right is that yeah this league was started the guys from Forge Scott Mitchell Bob Young are the guys who have done the heavy lifting especially financially for the yeah. for the league right we have a lot to be grateful to them for exactly so it feels also a little bit like the these commentators these these pundits also need to feel like they need to wax lyrical about forge because because of those people and they want to look good to those people or they want to sound good to those people or they want to make forge sound good um because they want to impress those people which may or may not be true but it feels like even if it's not intentional it's maybe subconscious and so it comes out as let me say some nice things about forge as much as possible i'm like i mean sure if i was on it i would have a vancouver bias i'm pretty pretty sure i would it would just kind of come a little bit natural Manuel Veth tweeted at me, he said, the bias was real. In fact, I had people within the league bring it up in private conversations. I think there is change coming, though. It's not a good look. And that is the thing, Steve. Um, They did put their hands up and say, "Okay, we're listening to you. We hear that you don't feel there's there's wide enough coverage. I mean, they might want to drop an E, not in a drug sense. They might just want to drop the E off the one and just call it ON soccer, because that's how it's felt at times. Um, But if they are going to change... Well done for listening, because yeah. if you want to be the national broadcaster, you've got to cover all of Canada, all the MLS teams, east-west, and decent coverage for every single team in the CPL. Yeah, and it needs to, like, obviously nobody's really raised an eye or anything like that, because 
it, essentially what they were hoping for was that crowning of a dynasty uh, forge. Uh, yeah, I had my question ready for Bobby the, about that and referring tying it in with the eighty sixers, but. But the thing is, the the whole dynasty thing is they were already calling them a dynasty. You have to win at least three to four championships to be a dynasty. Oh, yeah. They, did. they weren't even in that position. So then nobody ended a dynasty because it never even started. But they were hoping for that because that was this that that was the what they wanted to pitch on a yeah. national stage. Uh, two of a, of two a, championships isn't a dynasty. No, it's not. And um uh, the thing is is the, the, the thing that was the probably the, the hardest to listen to was um near like as the game's going on you know when when the game's winding down and everything like that usually you start talking about the team that's about to win yeah. and they were yes. talking about forge the whole time yeah as they were and I'm, I'm not even talking about what they need to do to get back in the game they were talking about their history and stuff like that or what they have accomplished so that's what i'm talking about is they're they need to listen to what they did like they actually need to go and review the tape like you know how players review game tape, game yes. film. These guys need to review the game film and sh- see, uh, like, if they were from the West Coast, how would you feel if you were you were a fan of this team and you were listening to this going on? I mean, I, I had folk tweeting at me in agreement from Halifax, from Cavalry or Calgary. So I mean, it's not just that it's us being very touchy in BC uh, about it. it. It was just so obvious. But if if they have listened and they're going to make changes. Great. They did say though that it's it's what drives viewership and what drives listeners and figures and numbers and all that kind of stuff. And I do get Ontario obviously is the greater population, and if more folk have one soccer subscriptions out there, they want to hear about TFC. Like I don't want to hear about TFC because I live here. So by that reckoning, folk in Ontario don't want to hear about the Whitecaps. So I mean that does make sense. The only way really to solve it is to have people flag it up to them and people from here then listen and watch the coverage that they give. So that does go hand in hand, but we've given that enough coverage. So let's let's move on from that and get back to some things coming, coming out of the game. So Pacific's now in the CONCACAF League. I just get goosebumps and tingles thinking about what that atmosphere is going to be like at Starlight Stadium for those games. Like, Zach, you were over there with me for the the Pacific Whitecaps game, and that place was bouncing. The main stand where the press box was, where I was, it was just shaking constantly. That, for CONCACAF, international-level competition, it's just mouth-watering what that can be. Yeah, it's uh, really exciting for them. Um, And I'm really excited for them to be able to not just be in a new competition, but like you said, play, play some different teams. One of the things that one of the challenges you face in forming a new league, especially with seven teams and then with eight teams is the opponents get repetitive (laughs) and now they're going to be playing in a competition where they're going to be able to play some teams they've never, ever played before and may never play again. (laughs) Mm. Um, But it'll be a nice, it'll be a nice opportunity. I think, Um, I mean, the the most difficult part will, will be that they're midweek games. And those are challenging, but you're right. I think the atmosphere that the supporters and uh, the fans at Starlight will create for those games, I think will be special. The big question, Steve, going into those games, going into next season, is Pamadou Ka going to be the man that is leading this team? He's been here two seasons. He's yeah. won a championship. Does he hang around and tries to take them to an even greater level? He's obviously going to get a lot of interest 
the the rumours that came out this week where he went quite deep in the process for the, the Dallas job. He's got experience in MLS. He's got experience over in Europe. I, I think it's hard for Pacific to hold on to him. He's going to be a man in demand right now. The thing is, I'm glad he didn't take the... First of all, I'm very glad he didn't take the FC Dallas job because I feel like that's a job where you're not getting that much support. It's very similar to the Whitecaps where they just want you to play the young players and they don't bring in the high-end talent. Um, for me, it's if I were, again, talking to him, if I would advise him on anything, I'd say stick around for another year. You get to take the Pacific to the CONCACAF League and see what you can do there. And that might even raise your bar even higher to another a higher team. Maybe this gets you a place in Europe or something like that. Mm. Is, the, is, is there any downside to it, though? Do you guys well, think? Yeah, like, I was going to say yeah, there's you a downside could. to that. And like Carol Robinson's actually a, a great I, example of a manager. At one point, his stock was pretty high with what he'd done with the Whitecaps, but then he stayed here too long and he kind of left with a bit of a tarnished reputation in some quarters. If he had gone maybe at the end of that 2017 season, he could probably have got a, a job over in England or a, a good high-profile job. But then he left here, and I don't know if he would want to come back to MLS or if he would get a job in MLS, but he didn't do great in 2018. Now, Pa, next season, could not have a good CPL campaign, not do well in the CONCACAF League, so it could go against him. But the flip side, as Steve's just said, he does well in that and his stock's even higher. So yeah. I guess you're, you're betting on yourself. Yeah, that's essentially what it is there. And, I mean, do, do you think he'll be back next for next season, Zach? Uh, yeah, I I mean, in this moment, I think so. Um, I mean, he, he loves living there. He loves the, he the island see, life. He, he doesn't seem like a guy who's just... I, 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 I Like, a lot of times, these the guys go for these interviews. Like, it might sound like they want to go, but it's more for the experience of going through the interview and, 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 and using that experience to... Um, uh, use it in future like you, you don't always it's not always this um, regular thing to interview for jobs especially when you're first starting out yeah like yeah. it's just this would essentially would have been his second interview ever because mm. he interviewed for Pacific and now he's interviewing and who knows how well that might have just, off. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but but uh, like always getting your name out in interviews if somebody's interested in you you definitely want to take it whether you're planning on going or not yeah, I mean, if, you, I, if you, I was gonna say, if you look at the MLS vacancies, if if he was interested in Dallas, he might be interested in Houston, and Pat Onstad, Vancouver boy, was yeah. very high in Vanny Sertini, and that kind of big personality. He said he wanted a guy like Pamaduka has got that big kind of personality, switching yeah, I, the purple for the orange. I just wonder how much Pa feels like like he needs to climb the ladder right away because like i think pause also guy as much as he understands the the football world i think he also sees the value in building something right yeah. and so uh, i think he's already done a good job at building you know in the two truncated years he's had at at, at pacific um but i think he sees the value in building building something long term so I could I could see either or yeah I could see him going on to a bigger uh, more lucrative opportunity I could but I could also see him staying around to 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 further develop what he's already got going on at Pacific and, and the thing is is with Pacific the comparison between Carl Robinson and Pablo Duca uh, the situation is a little bit different because I I feel like the front office at Pacific will probably support him more mm. than what Robinson got here uh, post and and pre firing 
or so I I think I think I I I don't see it as the same situation, but definitely there is a risk. But when you're in a team like this where you were missing a lot of attacking players in that final and you still won the game. And remember, this is not just a flash in the pan. They they dominated at the beginning of the season as well. Yes. Uh, that opening tournament things. And so... Yeah, the, the wheels just came off a little bit towards the end of the regular season. I mean, yeah. realistically, we could have been having this championship game in it's Langford, like, uh, if, yeah, Langford things, yeah. if, if they'd held on. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. Well done to everyone involved. Staff, players, fans backroom staff everything i'm so delighted we've got a lot of friends over there and just really genuinely can't can't see how happy i I am for it for these guys pa himself as you heard in the thing there said it's just like indescribable like just his place in bc soccer history now so let's let's hope he, he does hang around and hey maybe it'll be the pacific fc dynasty that folk will be talking about in in years to come (laughs) I don't know if there's going to be, I imagine there's going to be some big celebrations over in Langford at some point this week to, to celebrate the championship. If they do, I'm going to try and get over for that if, if I can. I guess it would be, I guess it would be in like in the stadium, but Victoria is a great place to have a parade. Like it's, it's like on the waterfront and everything. You have people on boats and everything like that. You, you, oh. you can even have the players on boats. And everything like that and celebrate. The one thing I will don't throw the North Star Shield around like they did with the <laughs> NFL trophy. Um, the one thing I would the CPL really needs to do. We were talking about CPL before. I really love for them to start the season earlier. They need to start mm-hmm. the season earlier so they can end it earlier. Uh, but, because but this was COVID impact. No, I know this week. Yeah, this year but was COVID, in but general, then, it's like been the end of April, which does yeah. seem quite late to start. Yeah, they need to start it a little bit, even if it's bad weather in March, because. It's better to hand your trophy off when it's like you're like you're. It's not coming down in sleet and snow. Yeah, it's better to start the season in bad weather than finish that's, the season in bad. Exactly. Weather. So if you can end it in like October, even that's. I think that was way better for the league, and you'll get a better game too out of it. And it wouldn't clash with Concacaf League stuff as well if teams went far in that to to the same extent. So, yeah, I I would be all in favor of that because it's a big gap. until the season gets underway and everyone's just itching to to get back at it. Talking of the the state of the league, Commissioner David Clanahan gave his state of the league address this week and we'll we'll talk about that more and some of the stuff that came out of that when we do our year in review shows. How we're going to do them this year, we're having a bit of chat about this the other night, we're going to kind of do some shorter specific things. So we'll do like a Whitecaps year in review, uh, national team year in review, CPL year in review, and might also do a women's soccer year in review as well. So we'll, we'll cover some of the things that, that came out of that. But I do want to mention a, an announcement that did take place this week from the league, and it's a long overdue announcement, it has mm-hmm. to be said. December 1st, CPL tweeted out that they've had discussions with the Canadian Football Players Association They've agreed to enter into exploratory discussions with the union about a future possible collective bargaining relationship and look forward to more conversations. Now, obviously, very vague wording there. Future possible collective bargaining. So they're not committing to anything. It's baby steps. To quote Elvis, let's hope there's a a little less conversation, a little more action. But it steps in the right direction, Zach. Yeah. 
It is. Well, you're skeptical. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think, yeah, how can you not be skeptical with Kleinahan's history? Like, I mean, I'm not trying to speak against him or speak negatively against the league, but um, this could have, it feels like what was, what was said, the essence of what was said could have been said a long time ago. <laughs> um, but you're right. Uh, hopefully uh, a step in the right direction and will lead to things that will be more fruitful for the players uh, and the overall health of the league. But if uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and I could be very much wrong, because I might be misremembering stuff. But he never denied the union. He just said we're not in a position to do it right now. We'll definitely yeah. explore it in the future. That, that's always that's been what he said. Yeah. So he's never really denied the union its chance. It's just he he wanted he wanted to delay it as long as possible, I guess. But without saying that, and he feels it is the right time now, three years into the league, and as as long as. This isn't just a token thing, and then we hear, yeah, "Oh, the parties exactly. couldn't agree, and they're further further apart than ever," because that's going to be the worst thing for the game. So, I, I'd like to take this at, at proper face value, and uh, this is going to see the change that these guys so badly need. They need to have this protection. When you've had the amount of guys that have hung up their boots this year and last year because they, it's just they can't chase a football dream because they just can't live. They can't get the wage that they need to live. Things need to change. And this isn't all about just demanding super high salaries. It's just like stability. And we'll talk a lot more about this. Well, stability and shows. uniformity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. It has been very alarming and very sad. Uh, some of the players that have chosen to, you know, end their football career to make a, a livable wage. Um, but yeah, again, let's just hope that we look back on this and this was... An, an actual meaningful step in the right direction. Let's hope so. But that is it for our Pacific FC, our Canadian Premier League chat for this episode. We're going to be turning our attentions to the Whitecaps and Major League Soccer for the rest of the podcast. And we are going to be back with what has been a very busy week in Whitecaps land after this. Hi, I'm Dana Klanikin. I'm uh, You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show, one of, one of the great productions that we have in Canada. Start wearing purple, wearing purple Start wearing purple for me now All your sanity and wits, they will all vanish I promise, it's just a matter of time So yeah! Since you were a 20 I was 20 And thought that so many years from now A purple little little lady Will be perfect For dirty old and useless clown So yeah Start wearing purple Wearing purple Start wearing purple for me now Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, how could I not play this song after what we were just talking about and what played out on Sunday afternoon in Hamilton? Gogol Bordello, start wearing purple. Purple's a trendy soccer colour right now in, in BC. Maybe one day 
it'll be blue and white again. But for now it does feel like BC is purple. I'm sure the Whitecaps and Vanni Sartini will be hoping to change that next season. And I guess that brings us nicely to what has been a busy week in Whitecaps land this week. Vanni Sartini appointed officially the head coach now of the Whitecaps on a two-year deal. Axel talked in an introductory press conference that there had been over a hundred candidates for the job, highly qualified people, people that had won championships. One candidate had won championships in two different countries. He felt, though, that Vanny was the, the right man to, to steer the ship, to take the club forward at this time, and stressed that the appointment wasn't because of like playing up to the fans because the fans love him and wanting to keep him around for that. But he, he said, Zach, that basically he was appointed for all the right reasons and, and he was the right man and the best man for the job. Yeah, it's a little bit awkward for, uh, listening to these comments. First, because before, and correct me if I'm wrong, I thought the number was like 180 of people that had been in contact with them. So now it's 100. Um, so maybe there was only 100 good ones. Um well, they probably ruled my application out. So. Oh, right. Yeah, they probably didn't count that. So, but no, I mean, it's okay to say, I think it's good to say, yeah, Vanny's, uh, Van, we hired Vanny because we think he's the best fit for us right now um, with, you know, where we're at, where we want to go. He knows us. He's done a good job. Uh, yeah, it's not just a pander to the fans. It's fine. But then to say uh, he was the best um, candidate of the over 100 people we heard from, I think doesn't, I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't, but it just makes it sound like, okay, well, you got 100 not really great candidates because Vanny Sartini is yeah. great and everything, but he's not like the greatest coach in the world. Well, he's never you know I mean? been a, a head coach at this level apart from the last few months. So, I mean, we don't know who applied, but you've got to think that there's going to have been people in charge of teams and had a more successful record. Like you, You've got to have thought, because Pamadou Kaha was mentioned as going quite deep in the process with FC Dallas this week. You have to imagine that he threw his hat in the ring for the Whitecaps as well. Maybe not, but I mean, Steve, what's your your general thoughts on, on the appointment and just where you think Vanny can take this team? Um, uh, I, like a before I've said it on multiple shows before I do have reservations about this appointment because of the fact that um, he hasn't done it before. And this could be like something, you know, they were able to, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It was, could have been something that just, you know, happened all of a sudden and where are they going to be able to bottle this and, you know, keep this going for the next year? You know, stats analytics would say, no, it's very hard for a coach that comes in. Um, like this and be able to uh, duplicate it next year, uh, hoping he proves wrong. Um, you could spin stuff any which way you want. Like 100 people applying, over 100 people applying, coaches are desperate to apply anywhere at some point. Like they'll throw applications everywhere, especially if you're out of work. And, you know, the whole point about two people, uh, one coach winning in, you know, two different countries, where the country's Thailand and Uzbekistan or something like that, you don't know. Like you could spin any which way you want the uh, you know the qualifications of the coaches. I just don't think that you can like if you're like you can definitely say that look he had a positive effect on this thing. I like what he saw did on the field, and that's why we hired him. You don't have like you, but if you want a sp- proper 
coaching search, you just don't take applications. You have to actually talk to the people and see exactly what they say and everything like that. So in yeah, that it'd way, it'd been interesting to know if they'd done any other actual interviews. I, I wasn't have. able to jump on the on the call at all because of the the time it, that they, I, it sounded, I was at a meeting it, at work. It sounded like Axel had done it with at okay. least one, and, and 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 they would be allowed to do that because Sarti was not uh, he was the you know the actual coach. He was the interview coach, and that oh, allowed yeah. him to do interviews with everyone. So if they did proper search and everything, and they feel Sarti's the guy, then that's great. I I, I applaud it. I just. I do, like I said, have reservations because of the lack of uh, lack of experience at that high level. But he's he's sometimes you need somebody uh, like an outsider, uh, somebody that's not a normal head coach to kind of you know bring something out on the players and hopefully like he can maintain it over a full season. Because honestly, co- uh, athletes at this level that kind of gets old in a in, in a hurry. Like I'll use an example from another sport. Um, uh, like the NFL, a, a different kind of football. College coaches that come in with a raw, raw attitude to professional sports, they don't last. So you you can't always have that kind of uh, mentality in in, the, in a professional environment. It doesn't always work. So hopefully it does in this case. Yeah. I mean, much like me when I had that trip to Magaluf back in the 90s, Vanny's infectious. And I think the players love him. The fans love him. He does bring that kind of out of the box thinking style, and yeah. he got the best out of some players and formations and stuff that we hadn't been seeing. So it's going to be interesting to see what he can do. And the, but the th- also a couple of things about that about the formations, other teams have not had not seen anything he does. So yeah. he was a complete surprise. Yeah, they're going to have a full half season or partial season of tape to review what he does so they can see what he does and what his tendencies are. That will take an effect. Another, you said the fans and um, who else did you say? Fans the, the and the players. players. The players. One, one part that might be prove very vital that who loves him and why he was kept is the mainstream media loves him. Yes. Not, not soccer media, not the niche soccer media, the mainstream media, the people that cover tend to cover hockey more. They and love him. American media love him. Yeah, well, I think they're more interested in mainstream media right now because that could sell them tickets if he appears more on the mainstream news programs and sports programs. It, it was a little concerning too, uh, and this was more into I think some questions about the squad in the in the on the whatever forty five minute interview. But uh, again, I think Steve and we talked. I talked about this in the last show. The whole thing is is what they did in these last you know well Vanny's time or the whole twenty two game run or whatever it was. Is it replicable? So they keep on talking about, oh, like we have a great squad because look, in the last half of the season, we were the second best team or whatever. And it's like, yes, it was a great run. Is it replicable? Possibly. But it doesn't, it feels like, it feels like it's going to be very hard for them to have a full season like they did for the the last 22 games or whatever. And so that's, that's, I think where my concern is what will, what will happen to Vanny? Like Steve said, when teams know him more, can scout him more, um, and and it's more for the long haul, not just this like like it was like there's more it's like it's like multiple splitting pay, plates with the whole season with the Whitecaps yeah. at the end of the year there was no it was like we have one thing we have to do and that's it and everyone could focus on one one goal going into a, a new season there's multiple things happening and um, it'll be interesting to see how he handles it again I think he could handle it but uh, I'm more with this in line with Steve that I think in the long term this won't. He won't last like super long. 
And the funny thing is, is people have complained about the past coaches that have no experience. And he's probably got the least amount of experience out of everybody. Although Carl Robinson didn't have very much experience either. So yeah. But he, it, see, this is, that it's his likability. It yeah. kind of overcomes all that. And like, I, I, I love him. Yeah. I, I <laughs> loved him before he got the job. Like, chatting to him's great. The media stuff with him's great. And you do need that to attract fans into well, to this team and make this team likable because they've been well, an unlikable team for a spell. Well, Michael, all a lot of coaches are likable when they're winning. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. I've run into I've run into in post game interviews a lot of coaches that were very <laughs> likable when they won and very unlikable when they lost. Yeah, that's so why we sent see, you to the away locker room. Yeah. So let's <laughs> let's see how if they run into go into a bad spell how he is at that point. So that that you know. Frida the cat might not be able to work her magic on Vanny and keep him in a good mood all the time. <laughs> like, like I said though before, I, I I feel he was the the person to get it. I think he earned it. He earned his chance, and it's what he does with it now. So I mean, that's all to to come. For me, something I'm delighted with is next year, with Vanny now being here, it's going to let me use this soundbite quite a lot. Oh, what a way to act! But it's an injustice, it is. Yeah. Now, I don't know if anyone will know what that soundbite was, but does anybody remember the 1970s cartoon Calimero? It, was that a UK-based one? Uh, it's an Italian production. Yeah, I don't think so. No. And it's the 1970s, I was born in the mid-70s. Yeah, I, I mean, you can say what you want about this show, but on finger on the pulse of the nation and what the Netflix watching generation and cable cutter cord well, cutters are watching, I'm, I'm right up there. Yeah, but I, I know a lot of 70s cartoons. It's just I don't know the Italian cartoons. That genre, I've missed a little bit. Well, Calimero was a little bird. He was a a black bird in a family of white birds and he had a kind of eggshell on his head. And it was dubbed from the Italian into English. And at the end of every episode, things would have gone wrong for him and he would just do, as I played there in his Italian accent, it's an injustice. So if anything ever goes wrong with the white caps or VAR goes against us next year, I'm just going to get to play, it's an injustice. Primo. Yeah, ch- check it out anyway on YouTube, Calimero. It was remade in the 90s as well, and then they had another attempt at remaking it in 2014, but that's... Uh, it's a 1970s original cartoon, that's what you want to check out. Anyway, roster decisions were announced on Wednesday. Ten options were picked up. Theo Bear, Michael Baldissimo, Javain Brown, Christian Dahomey, David Egbo, Marcus Godinho, Christian Gutierrez, Thomas Asal. Florian Jungwert and Brian White. Three options weren't. Isaac Bomer, Jasser Kamiri, Patrick Metcalf. 30 players are now currently under contract for 2022, which is is kind of crazy considering on last week's show we are saying maybe four, five, six guys we're needing to, to bring in. So some, some are going to have to move on. In amongst those 30, though, there are three guys on long-term loans, so that's Cornelius, Coline, and Pasil. So really, 27 of the 30 roster spots are currently filled. 
And you would imagine that there's there's going to be some movement. There there could be trades. There could be transfers, loan deals. The Whitecaps are also still in talks with four players, Andy Rose to St. Ricketts, Isaac Bomer and Bruno Gaspar, for whom, as we talked about in the last show, they have rejected the buy option with Sporting, which was rumoured to be $1.75 million. But chats, conversations, discussions are still taking place between the Whitecaps, Sporting and Gaspar for maybe bringing him back. Whether that's signing him on a lower thing, whether it's another loan deal, I mean, who can say? So, I mean, amongst all of that, any big surprises for you? I think a few people were maybe surprised that they let Patrick Metcalf go. On the whole, though, not really a, a ton of surprises out there. Uh, Marcus Godinho was another one that maybe surprised yeah. a few people. Yeah, I was going to say Godinho is definitely one that surprised, surprised me, um, but... Yeah, who knows what their their plans are there. Um, I I was a little surprised at Metcalf going. Like, I know we were critical of his performances, especially when he was playing out of position. Um, Maybe they just never saw the opportunity for him to actually play in his actual position. So let him go and find find his feet somewhere else and get tight. I wonder what some of the people they're still talking to, how much it is just – are they – like how how interested they are and how much of it is just like – hey, we'll see what happens or we'll see uh, who, who gets picked up or we'll see what offers they get from other people first and what we can bring them back for. Because, I mean, I think I think Toss, I think Rose, um, Bowman, we talked about last week, the, the best thing for him would be alone. This would be another yeah. way for him to, you know, go somewhere and get minutes. Um, but I think those other guys, I think they really need to move on. And uh, Gashbar is encouraging that they've taken the right step of not paying, overpaying for him or in my estimation, overpaying for him and are looking at other ways to maybe bring him back. I No major surprises for me seem... Um, not, I wasn't even surprised about the Gudinho one because, like I said, I think they need some depth. Um, uh, they need to be six deep in a lot of positions. Yeah. And they can't, they can't overpay for those. Um, the, the one I think that surprised me was that how little faith they had in their draft picks last year because they needed to give a one-year plus options to Javane Brown and David Egbo. Like usually you sign uh, uh, draft picks to longer contracts than that in order to keep them around. So that's was, that kind was one of them. Uh, isn't Egbo GA, or was one of them GA? I think neither one was GA. I don't oh, okay. think. Don't think. So, was it, so, was. so a draft pick one one plus is not that not that abnormal. No, I actually think that's good business because yeah. so many draft picks. When you're when you're picking that low. Uh, no, usually, but in the past, they've always given at least a two-year yeah, contract. Yeah, they have. So, yeah. so it's, uh, that surprised me a little bit that they've moved away from that. I, I like that they have, to be honest. Yes, isn't that good business, though, Steve? Because yeah. they oh, yeah. haven't got a lot out of those. But you guys, are, you, you guys are the ones that don't like options either. So that's what's yeah, surprising I don't. me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big... I just, that no. whole option thing. And it, I mean, it's not just MLS specific. I, I, like, options are all over the place. They're in the Premier League, and it's just, it's not talked about as much... Um, Everyone's always going about MLS options. I, I just don't like it. I like a contract, and I know a player can then just walk for free at the end of it, and there's no loyalty from players to clubs these days, and you can't blame them, because is there any loyalty from clubs to, to players, as we've discussed several times over the years, especially in MLS, where they're just a commodity, and they can get traded at a minute's notice. Um, But overall, yeah, other than that, yeah, no surprises. Every Everybody seems... I know they were going to pick up, like, the... 
Theo Bears, even though they're on loan, in order to keep the value up there and yeah. maybe sell them on later on. So, I mean, Bears definitely back now, but if he, if Hamcam do want him and he goes as well, that still leaves four roster spots out there as well. And if Kava moves on, then that's five roster spots that's available. And if we're looking at adding maybe four to six players, I mean, that, to me, that all makes a lot of sense. And you have to think some of the young guys could get loaned out or play in the mysterious under-23 league that hopefully Don Garber's doing his State of the League address next week. Hopefully that is something that is is kind of brought up. It's something I'd certainly like to ask him about if I do get to ask a question. But then also I'd like to know the update on what's happening with the Whitecaps in investigation and his thoughts on that as well. Was, uh, was your resume... steer well clear of me for asking a oh, question yeah. in that case. So that's the options and stuff that's been picked up for the Whitecaps. So here's what is in store for the next couple of weeks in the MLS off-season in terms of player acquisition initiatives. So next Sunday, December 12th, sees a half-day MLS trade window from 6am Pacific time to 10am Pacific time. So if there's any trades that the Whitecaps want to get done or if there's any of our guys that the guys want to make a move for, that's their first chance to, to do it after the MLS Cup. Monday, December 13th, all available free agents and players that will be available in the MLS waiver and re-entry drafts will be announced. So we know whose options and stuff haven't got picked up. We can maybe, if you guys have a look at who's kind of not had their options picked up over the next week, and we'll chat a little bit about that in the next show. Tuesday the 14th, Charlotte FC expansion draft. They can pick five players. Clubs can only lose one player. The Quakes, Red Bulls, Nashville, Galaxy and Orlando are exempt from having players picked as they had ones or one picked by Austin last year. Clubs can protect 12 players. They don't need to protect general Adidas players that haven't graduated. They don't have to protect any homegrowns that are under the age of 25. So they're all exempt. So if clubs have four or more international players, they have to protect at least three of them. If they have three or more, they have to protect two. And if they only have one international player, then, yeah, they're fine. Although why any club would not want international players, I don't know. Uh, Designated players are not automatically protected and neither are the under-23 initiative players. So with all of that in mind... Let's have a little quick look at who you guys would be your 12 players to protect. I'll give you mine. I've gone from back to front. Crepeau, Javain Brown, Gutierrez, Flo Jungwert, Derek Cornelius, Kylo, Kylo Alejandri, Pedro Vite, Ryan Gold, Deber Caicedo, Lucas Cavallini, Christian Dahomey, Brian White. And a couple of those are obviously with a view to possibly selling on. You don't want to give up your rights to to those guys. So, Zach, that is my 12. Any of those you wouldn't protect? And if so, why? And who would you put in in their place? Yeah, I. so my one question for you, Michael, about your list was... Okay, so Cavallini, right? Yeah. Obviously, because you want to trade him, you don't want to get anything from him. Do you think yeah. someone would take him just because of the potential to get something for him, right? So he's he's a no. Possibly, I mean, the, if you don't protect him, because remember this is the expansion draft. So if you don't protect him, Charlotte could pick him because they might be right. like, "Oh, 
he's like he's a striker that knows the league and he's played for Canada and yeah he's had a crap season but he's not a crap player he could come good in our system or another club could be like ah would you mind picking Cava because we'd quite like him at our club yeah my other okay so that's fair that's what it's I a, just the thing that you've paid so much money for him I don't think uh, I, I think there's a small chance that someone would take him but okay, you another, don't my, want to lose that that money my other question then would be are you being too sentimental with Flo because is is Jake eligible to be taken yeah yeah he is yeah see I think I think Flo is less likely to be taken than Jake yep. so I would probably flop, flip those because I I, as much as sentimental, I just think he's a really good player. I like how he plays. Yeah, but he's no, older. Not, he's older. I, I don't think a lot of teams would go after him, though. Yeah, uh, I, for, I, I think these American teams would take Jake Nowinski. So, and I think the Whitecaps should look at trading him. So, I, I would flip those two because I don't think teams will take Flo at his age and and his pace and that kind of stuff. That's fair. For me, the uh, the the question marks were uh, I had basically everybody uh, the. Th- Three players, actually two players that I had protected that you didn't uh, were Ranko and Jake. Mm. Those are the two, and I, I definitely didn't have Florian Youngworth uh, protected. I, oh, he yeah. was kind of he was kind of on the bubble for me, and I didn't. I, I completely forgot about Derek Cornelius. And mm. I think it is possible that you might get away with not protecting him because he's on a loan. No, I'm not saying he. Yeah, I'm not no, saying people I, can't. Pay, I'm not saying people can't pick him. But he's on a loan. I think it would be a big risk for a club to do it. So I, I, I agree with Steve because that didn't where, cross my mind. And if, that's I, where, if I didn't protect him, I would have probably put Nerwinski in. And the I fact about Ranko too. Yeah, Ranko. I don't think, I think anyone is, would take him because he's international. But I think somebody would because he's young. Yeah, and that's where I think there I, might be a chance. I think you've over overinflated flow compared to the yeah. Ranko Nerwinski just based on their age alone. Yeah, I would. I would. Um, I would I would protect Ranko and Jake over Flo for sure, and I, it's the big question would be Cornelius, and, and I think I would I, I would leave Cornelius unprotected. Not that I don't value him, I think he should be. The, the problem with Cornelius though is he's is like Kava. He's a he's a Canadian men's internet like men's national team player. So like I, I think yeah, I think someone might just be like, hey, let's just but, take him to because we can sell thi- him. We can but, sell but, him but, those but, puppies but, on the oh, yeah, that's true. If they take him to sell him, like Cornelius, that's understandable. But the fact that he's on an eighteen-month loan, um, yeah. and, or still twelve months left to go on that, and that's you don't why have I don't the terms either, because it, yeah. it could be a, a no recall clause or something. But, but how many? How uh, like how many times? If we, I, I can't remember any team in you know since two thousand seven. Oh, sorry, other than two thousand seven. So maybe from two thousand nine. I can't remember any team. Selecting their t- five or ten players and then using them all like there, there's going to be turnover. So for me, if if I was a GM and I saw a Derek Cornelius as example, I would turn to my owner and say, "Hey, uh, is it okay if I make you some money? Um, let's just take this guy and I, wait, I think and, wait, and I, wait and get the money for him. Or B, let's just take him right now. Say to the club, hey, we own his rights now. How much would you? Well, let's make a deal." I, like, I think I think you're overvaluing Derek Cornelius a little bit there. I think I think there's going to be better players available in other teams that are uh, that are in, in actually in MLS right now. Steve, and, you, you, and you before, may be right. And before when you were talking about turnover, that was more when it was ten players. Yes, were being picked. Five, if yeah. five players, five players, people actually keep those players typically. Yeah, that's true. And but, also but, domestics and MLS experience. Yeah, that, that, like look at Nashville, the success that they had, and even Austin went quite 
quite big with experience in the league. That, that's why if I'm taking off flow, I might not put on Nowitzki instead of Ranko because of the, the domestic thing. But um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess if it's only five, maybe it's, it's harder to do that. But even at five, even at five, if a GM wants to like prove their worth to their owner, they might be like, "Hey, this is this is not what we plan to do, but this guy's available." And Steve, you're right. I'm not thinking about all the other players that they could take. Yeah, just say to your GM, like, or say to your owner, like, "Hey, I could let's make a little bit of money here for the club, and and and, 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 and forego one of these picks." The thing is, they need to make some moves beforehand. Like, if they really want to keep as many players, like if Cavallini is not in their in the call, they need to make like a, a sale of him, like a pre-sale before the transfer window opens, just to um, make sure he's gone. I don't know if somebody can be picked after they've already been pre-sold or not. No. I'm not sure about yeah. that. The rules no. there, but um, they need to do that so just to open up more spots because. Uh, they do have about 13 players I would protect at this point. The the thing is as well, I mean, you don't know what happens either. If any, if there's any movement in or out on the half-day trade thing on the Sunday, that, of yeah. course, could affect all, all these things as well. The I, I'd like the Whitecaps to have someone picked this time, to be honest, because you've also got another expansion draft next year with St. Louis. I would hope the Whitecaps are a better team next year. So if you then get a guy picked this year, it means next year you don't have to worry about losing possibly even better players or stronger players at that point. And so I'd be happy with that. Do they get compensated with GAM uh, if they get players taken? Yes. I can't remember the amount, but yes, they do. Okay. It'll be interesting to see if that's gone up and you know with inflation or what, but yeah. Yeah, they, they definitely do. Uh, the thing is for me is that while I know – we like like a lot of these players are something some players we like i think there are a lot of players out there on other teams that um are really highly valued and charlotte's probably been a lot more scouting on the east coast eastern conference teams um there's nothing better for a team to weaken a team by taking somebody that of your opponent instead of taking mm. somebody of, of on the west coast that's a that's a fair point as well yeah so let, let us know listeners who would you protect who wouldn't you protect from what we were discussing there so let us know on twitter at aft in canada or shoot us an email aft in canada at hotmail.com so after that on tuesday the 14th the 15th is the waiver draft free agency opens 17th of december re-entry draft stage one december 23rd re-entry draft stage two we know that the whitecaps have never in the past been that busy in these drafts i'm not expecting much to change in that regard and then it's a super draft on January the 11th before a few days later, pre-season's open and everyone's back at it. Such a short pre-season, but I love the off-season, I love the pre-season, so I am already looking forward to it. So, final bit of MLS chatter for this part. The MLS Cup is set. And for just the third time in its 26-year history, it's been held in Cascadia. And for the first time ever, it will be in Portland. It's the seventh straight season that a Cascadian club has reached the final. So all three Cascadian clubs doing so well, making it into seven finals in a row. All three of them, really good. Um, this is Portland's third time. After winning it in 2015, they lost Atlanta in 2018. What's it going to be? Are they going to level the Sounders and have two cups to their name, two stars on their badge? Well, they got to the final by beating RSL 2-0 at Piggy Park on Saturday afternoon in the Western Conference final. 
Felipe Mora fired Portland ahead just five minutes in. It was set up beautifully in front of goal. Absolutely perfect pass. Sadly, it had been from an RSL player. I don't know what that pass was. That was just shocking. It was it was a horrendous goal to give away in such an important match. It was really poor. Uh, yeah. I mean, RSL had some chances and they either wasted them. Krylach had a good head in the first half. He should have done better with. Steve Clark, a couple of big saves in the Timbers goal. He, he did really well. But Santiago Moreno basically killed it off. Long Ranger, off the post, off Ochoa. Own goal. You, I'd give it to an Ochoa on goal. Just it was, it was an Ochoa on goal. There's, there's no other way to give that. That's an Ochoa well, on goal. MLS would disagree. They've given it to Moreno. Yeah, because no, they're they, idiots. They're absolute they, idiots. They sometimes change it afterwards. Like, they'll give it initially to the player, yeah. and then they'll change it to own goal. Um, the thing is with me with own goals is when it's – I feel, always feel like when the player has no chance at it, that it, maybe it shouldn't be an own goal when it's a deflection off. They weren't even looking at the ball. Yeah. Then maybe it shouldn't be an own goal, but I, I guess the rules are different everywhere. It hit, I, the, I mean, it hit the post. It came back out, hit him in the back of the head, went in. That's yeah, I know. But, 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 I, but, I, but I don't think that's an own goal. What? How not? Because he didn't know anything about it. It's like what Steve's saying. It, it, it doesn't matter. There's tons of own goals where the, the player doesn't know anything about it. Yeah, I know. And the I question agree is, that the th- question is, that's not, that has nothing to do with it. The question is, was the shot on the goal or was the ball going to go in its own from the, from the, the play from the attacking player? And if it wasn't going to go in, and if it goes in because of uh, the, an opponent, it's an own goal. Oh, no, I don't agree with your interpretation of the rule. I, I disagree with the rule itself. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you, I hear you. I mean, Portland, they were worthy winners. They deserved it. I don't think it was a surprise. Most people really thought that Portland were going to win. RSL, they did well to get to the stage that they got, but they just ran out of steam in, in hey, the end. Did anyone on RSL say like, hey, we're going to beat the Timbers? No, I don't think, I don't so. think so. No. Because I don't think they believed it themselves. No. They, wanted, they were this far so far. And they, I mean, they had, losing that goal so early changed it. because it, Although it probably made for a better game because RSL couldn't have their no shots and try and get through to penalties at least. But So who would the Timbers face? That was the big question. The inform New York City FC or the COVID-ravaged Philadelphia Union? Well, before we get into that, Let's have a quick chat about NYC's dramatic win over the the Revolution midweek to get to the Eastern Conference final. A clinic in how to take penalties. Uh, I think NYC FC, it was a great game against New England, but it's what we talked about in the show last week. New England, 23 days without a game. Was that the reason? Or was it just that NYC just got the better of them? I mean, it was a it was a good all round game, and when it gets to penalties, it's it's whoever's the best from from twelve yards out. And as I said, NYC were clinical. Yeah, it was frustrating. Like I I, I feel bad for Audrey T- Tejon Buchanan, who played a role in the game as he usual. Did not have a great game, though. Let's be honest; that wasn't yeah. one of his best it, games. It wasn't even one of the best games, but he still he still he's still the reason it went to extra time, right? Mm. Like, yeah. Like without him, it doesn't that doesn't happen, but. Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel bad for him. I I feel a little bit bad for. I, I mean, I wish Steve could have been there to do the post game interview with with Bruce Arena, um, but uh, as I feel a little bit bad for him. But I mean, I think he pro- winning the supporter shield proved proved a lot uh, this year. I really wanted them to win, but just just because of Buchanan, I wanted them to win the whole thing. I wanted Buchanan to to ride off into the sunset and to 
to go play play in Belgium, uh, having won the MLS yeah. Cup. And so now it's like, who do you want to win the MLS Cup? It's like no one. I wish Har was there doing the post game interview, asking Bruce Arena, "Do you think you'll be back next year?" <laughs> um, for me, yeah, it's 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 definitely and like it's difficult. Like uh, if if the season is, you know, the whole reason for the season is to be like at the you know at the top of the standings and everything like that the, like it, it gives less meaning to being the, the the number one team because a lot of people don't register finishing the top of the table yeah. as anything so that was how new york city fc got to the eastern championship game could they go one step further could they reach their first ever mls cup final well, the answer was yes, because they headed to Philadelphia on Sunday afternoon. Philly missing 11 players due to COVID protocols, including a, a guy that was huge for them all season long and in the playoffs, Andre Blake. Mm. number of other starters as mm. well. Mm. There's, there's a few, few rumours out there, which I've not been able to confirm. Mm. About why players may be missing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm sure stuff will be coming out later. But yet, Philly, favourites heading into this one up until probably Saturday morning, and then it really switched. But to be fair, Philly looked a better side. The, their young makeshift side really took the game to, to NYC. They took the lead when Alexander Callens turned across into his own net with a little bit of pressure from Prisbilko behind him. I was in the 63rd minute. I was delighted for Jim Curtin because I felt really bad for him. I've spoken before. For the coaches in MLS, he's one of my, my favourite coaches. I have a lot of time for Jim Curtin and what he's done in Philadelphia. And when they went one up, I was like so delighted for them. But it was a lead that lasted less than two minutes. 113 seconds officially. Maxi Morales volleyed home the equaliser for New York City and you're like, oh, they've done all the hard work and now it's game back on. I genuinely thought it was going to go to extra time and probably penalties after that. I thought Philly would maybe shut up shop and New York maybe wouldn't have what it took to break them down. But with extra time looming, New York City's 19-year-old Brazilian, Thales Magno, fired the, the winner Philly had their, their pocket picked in the box. It came in to, to Talis Magno. He finished from close range. <sighs> New York City heading to their first MLS Cup. And Ronnie Dahlia deserves a lot of credit for just the, the late run where they were unbeaten in seven to get to the stage and now un, unbeaten in, in ten. He His subs changed the game and it gave New York City a, a spark this afternoon six seasons it's taken them to get to the MLS Cup. They become the 17th team to reach an MLS Cup final. Hopefully the Whitecaps become the 18th team at some point. That would be nice. They now head to Portland next Saturday afternoon. Can they stop the Timbers? They didn't meet over their regular season, so we've not got any insight into that. Will the Whitecaps 2002 home opener at BC Place on March 5th be against the MLS Cup champs because NYC come to town that day. What do you think, Zach? Who who you got in the final? Uh, it's got to be Portland. Uh, I really don't like Man City Light, so um, yeah. It's another one of these finals. I don't want either team to win, but yeah, I'm 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 the same. I'm going to pick a wood over plastic in this one. 
Oh, oh very good. That, good that can be a tagline. That yeah. that'll be the hashtag we get going. Yeah. yeah. I, I and I've got experience of things going viral this week, which we'll, we'll come to later on in the show. I I I can't bring myself to cheer for another Cascadian triumph, so I'm going to go with NYC. But that's but my, you can make it, you that's can make my it heart the, saying that. My head is, it's going to be Portland. But you can make it into the locker room if you go down. You, mm, that's two yeah. winning locker rooms you'd be in. I, I've toyed with going down, but if it's a choice of going down to that or being at a Pacific FC celebration, oh yeah, Pacific it. FC it's, celebration, yeah. but going down to that, I could go to Trader Joe's on, on the way home, so potato, potato. But let's hope it's a good final, if nothing else. And it's going to be rocking at Piggy Park. Yeah. And I'm jealous. There's only a week for them to create the TIFO. I wonder if they already have something that they they were preparing. I'm sure they've been working on stuff. And yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a cracker. I don't know how the press box copes. It's a tiny it's very press small. box yes, for, very for hosting small. an MLS Cup. But Some yeah. delicious food, but very yeah. small. Oh, food's yeah. fantastic. The I've only been fantastic there once. for pre-season friendlies. That I yeah, can't imagine yes. what it's going to be like for the MLS Cup. Although maybe That's, COVID protocols, you're not allowed to actually do stuff anymore. But on, uh, a, on a serious note, yeah, I, like I hope, I hope, uh, like all the best for them. Like Ken Puckett from the the Timbers, who runs the stadium, and yeah, some they, they have some quality people. I know there's some frustration with some other people in their front, in their front office, but um, yeah, they're 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 op, their ops people are pretty quality. That, that's the one issue about cheering for the Timbers about you know some of the people that have you know been part of the uh, thorns. And and seeing them being victorious, that that would make it a little difficult to listen to that. But I usually like like the, we talked about the CPL earlier. Like I I prefer just cheering for the players and not worrying what's in the upfront office. Um, I'm just glad that CPL doesn't hand a trophy to the owner and they hand it to the players. So that's yes. Yeah, and then I, 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 I oh, that was that. yeah. Actually, that's a very good point, Steve. That was so nice to see. And, and and then it happened organically, where the coach then you know gave the the trophy to the owner. Did you see that? Yeah, that's how it should be. That's how I it should be. I didn't see that actually. Yeah, they gave it to Rob Friend, and then Rob Friend, like before he lifted it, he was just like, "This is all about all of you. This is all of your hard work." Yeah, and that's the way it should be. Like, I, I'm so tired of them always handing it to the owners. It should be the yeah. players that touch the trophy the first time. Yeah, it yeah. only in North America it only happens in the NHL. That's the only place it happens other than the CFL, the TPL. Now I don't know what the CFL CFL does. I'm not sure about that, but uh, I don't know. I don't. I haven't watched the Greek Cup in a while, so I don't know. But that is all set for for next Saturday. We'll cover it in the next show. We haven't talked about whether we're going to maybe do another live watch along. We'll, we'll talk about that during the week and let you know. But we'll definitely be talking about that in, in the show next week. That's it for our general MLS chat. It's time to crack out the awards. And we're going to be kicking off our 2021 AFTN Awards after this. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our new Artist of the Month here at AFTN for December. And I changed who it was going to be. Because I I teased last week it was going to be a solo artist and it was going to be someone that we've featured regularly on the show. And it was going to be Frank Sidebottom. But then I thought, ah... We'll just do his Christmas things while we keep Frank for, for next year. Uh, mainly because I was trying to work out what songs I wanted to pick. And my wife cannot stand Frank Sidebottom. She says his voice is like nails on a chalkboard to her. So it was hard to kind of listen to the music and, and pick what songs I, I wanted. So I'll, I'll keep Frank to next year. But what I thought is it's the last month of the year. 2021 is nearly over. So what I'm going to do for this whole month is our Artist of the Month, as you heard there, English two-piece band, technically they're five-piece, but they, they get called a, a duo. We featured one of their songs on the, on the show before from the Isle of Wight, a band called Wet Leg, and that was their single, Wet Dream. And I wanted to have them as Artist of the Month, and then I thought, I can't because they only have released two songs, so that doesn't really work for the month. But they released two other songs this week, so at least I have four songs that I can play for you now in December. So that's why I brought them forward from January. They're going to be our Artists of the Month. But then I also thought as well, all the music introductories for the parts this month will be songs, singles that have come out this year that I've really liked and I haven't featured them on the, the show before. So let's see what we have in store over the course of the month. Will any of them be from your record collection that you're sharing right now? Uh, no, but I have been enjoying doing that. I haven't had a lot of time this weekend to continue my three albums a day. If anyone hasn't seen that, on Twitter I've been... Uh, trying to play three albums a day because I hadn't played any of my vinyl this year at all. So I'm just trying to trying to make use of my, my record player. And I've been playing the albums and then seeing what they're worth on eBay and regretting playing them because they're worth a bit of money and I've probably scratched them. But oh well, hey, that's how things go. But in this part of the show, we're going to start our AFTN End of Season Awards. <laughs> Yes, it's that time of the year again where we we hand out the AFTN gongs. Uh, Much coveted. We've done it since 2011. And I I love the discussions that we have about this and getting listeners' thoughts on everything as well. Some awards are very cut and dried. And I think the one that we're going to kick things off with in this part is probably one of those cut and dried awards because it's the AFTN Whitecaps 2021 Player of the Year. Marcus Gardino? Spoiler. No, I'm I trying to I, build up to it. I think I think you're you're quite on. Like um I know I've mixed up his name quite often this year. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you're but, giving it to Marco Carducci. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I, I I there's it's very cut and dry. Like it's hard to argue with the player that we've all we've all almost unanimously agreed to on yes. this one. So Ryan Gold, the AFTN <laughs> Scottish player of the... No, it is the man between the sticks. He's number 16 on his jersey, but he's number one in our hearts. 
and he's really number one in the team as well. If you went old school, it's Maxime Cripo. You agree with that, Zach, as well? Wholeheartedly. Yes. I mean, a fantastic season for Max. White Caps and Canada wise, we're only giving this award from a White Caps perspective. Without Max Cripo, Steve, I think it is fair to say the White Caps weren't a playoff team. Well, they wouldn't have been in a position to even make that run at the end of the year. Yep. Like even like the, he saved a lot of points at the first half of the year, and then uh, obviously uh, future awards we're going to give in the next part. Um, he'll show up again, making big stops and everything along the way. Yes. Um, uh, there, you know, there's definitely honorable mentions, and uh, we can go over those really. Yeah, quickly. I was going to ask, yeah. like, who if you weren't giving it to Max, who who was the the other guys really? I was I was gonna say like obviously Brian White is is a candidate because of the way he, his you know his half season um, when he came in and and if you give it to Brian White for the second half I think you have to give an honorable mention to uh, Christian Dahomey for the first half um, and, fair and, yeah in the way he like uh, deposits some goals there um, and then obviously whoever was gonna come in as number ten uh, we have to give it them and it's Ryan Gold who would be an honorable mention as well. Yeah, he yeah. certainly added a spark when he came in at the team, Zach. And it's kind of crazy that you're looking like two of the really standout guys, white and gold, they're only here half a season. Yeah, the, the other one who I think, and he'll come up uh, later in some conversations, but who I think is is maybe fourth on that short that uh, honorable mention list is um, Diber Crescido. Uh, yeah. His assists were pretty, pretty crucial, and um, I thought he brought a lot to the team this year. There was a, a few good standout performances as well, uh, just throughout the team. And I, I think if I was given a runner-up, which we, we usually do on the site when we, we type these up, Brian White would be the, the guy that would get it. But Max, head and shoulders really above the rest over the course of the season. Six clean sheets to his name, some huge saves, kept us in games, earned us points, saved us points. and Multiple ultra sheets or clean sheets. Yes. Um... Probably the league leader in phantom saves. I, I just keep creating new uh, stats for him just to make him look even better. Uh, but yeah, he's, the, he's easily the... Uh, at this point, I would basically... It's it's hard to argue that he might be the best keeper in the MLS uh, era for the Whitecaps. More than Usted? Because maybe yes. Usted had that great season. Yeah, I, I would put Max just based on what he's played behind. I was thinking about that this week too, and as much as and I want to talk about David Usted later in the show, but uh, I, I think I think yeah, I think when you think about you know as much as jo, you know Joe Cannon, Jay Nolly, and David Usted are sentimental, maybe favorites or looked upon fondly, and obviously David Usted did the most out of out of those. Yeah, I think Maxime Crepeau has now done enough to be deemed the best keeper in the in the MLS era. I know I obviously he has not won anything. Uh, like he hasn't won even a Cascadia Cup or or Voyager's Cup or anything yet, but I think I think he's the one who's helped the team the most, um, which is saying which, a lot because yeah, which is because, crazy oh, when you look at the defensive performances the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I think he's been. How needed. bad would it have been without him? Yeah, and other than Elstead, and I think Elstead at the end of his thing, they were like he's the only player a goalie so far that they haven't even tried to look for a replacement for or tried to upgrade from. I think Elstead is the only other one that, until the last year or so. And that was more because of his salary that yeah. they look for a replacement for him. 
And also, like Max and number 10, Ryan Gall, designated player, they get on. So I don't think we'll have any Uste and Pedro Morales <laughs> situations playing out of training. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Max, great. He's won a lot of awards, fans and official Whitecaps Player of the Year awards as well. He's got the AFTN Whitecaps Player of the Year. He is a player that I just love to, to chat to. I, I genuinely could chat to Max for hours. Didn't quite do ours, but I did sit down with him this week and we had a good chat about the Whitecaps season, his time away with Canada, what it's like to face penalties these days and a lot more besides. So go stick the kettle on, make your hot beverage a choice, grab a chocolate digestive, sit back and enjoy our feature interview for this episode, AFTN Player of the Year, Maxime Crapeau. So, delighted to say that we're joined now by the man that has won our AFTN Player of the Year Award and a lot of other Player of the Year Awards. Welcome back to the show, Maxime Crapeau. Well, thank you. Thanks for voting. <laughs> I appreciate it and uh, thanks for having me. Hey, always a pleasure to, to chat to you, Max. And I, just to start off, it, it's been a roller coaster of a year. For everyone, but like for you, with the white caps with Canada, there's been lots of highs. There's been some lows. There's been starting the year off in a foreign country and then having to go away, back and forward with, with the national team, and then back to everything. Finally, getting back home. Mark getting sacked. The the defeat with Pacific, and then finishing on a real high. We're getting into the playoffs, and then. I guess tinge of sadness with with being one and done. But when when you look back from a personal level, just for you on the year as a whole, how will you look back on twenty twenty one? it's a year that, uh, to be fair, there's a lot to be remembered of it, you know, and uh, and a good and a, and not so good stuff about uh, how can we we take twenty twenty one and bring it to twenty twenty two or any other that you face a little bit of adversity uh, starting the year, to be honest. Uh, the team w- was not as together as right now, obviously because of, of result, that's number one. Uh, but the fact to be away uh, was difficult for a few of, of the guys in the locker room. And uh, there, there was a moment of adaptation and playing without, without barely anybody in the stadium, to be honest, did not really help uh, as well um, result-wise. And then we kind of saw it as well when we came back from from Salt Lake back to BC. Okay, we're now in our own stadium. Uh, we know the surface. We know exactly what to get out of it as well. Where teams have to travel a little bit further out because Vancouver's the city at the more west of, of the conference. So, um, to be fair, there was a lot of, of positive to get out of that. And but what I, I personally remember will remember is the adversity and how things can change uh, quick uh, on a turnover of two or three games and your new season is, is it like a brand new page. Yeah, the season started so so strong and it's like, wow, it's it surprised me because I thought it's going to be tough playing down in the altitude. You might take a little bit of getting used to it. But that first month went well and then I, I know it kind of went a little bit off the tracks for a bit before turning the corner. What do you think it was? Because it started before 
you, you, you got back to Vancouver. What, what, what was it that, that triggered the, the turnaround in the team? Because it seemed to come after that heavy defeat to RSL. Was, was there a moment within the team where you guys just sat down and said, look, this needs to change or the, the season's gone? Yeah, there was a meeting that was old. Uh, I was at the Gold Cup, but I knew the team was having a meeting. Uh, there was a, a meeting while that, that month of, uh, of July where uh, the team had a meeting and from there they, they, they chose and they, they did it on the pit. They chose to play for, for each other and not for uh, individuals or for an organization. They chose to play for ourselves, the player group. Um, and, and to fight for each other in any circumstances. That's, that was the most important thing because if you take that out, to be honest, if you take that out and to be united, to be united, to have um, no, co- no stones unturned, you know, be, being really uh, fluid in your comments where you, you'll be honest and be able to take criticism without, without having a notch of ego, you know, uh, just say, being able to take criticism and, and, trying to evolve your game together you know that was basically the message and to decide to fight for yourself because in this league to be fair if you don't fight for your teammate you're not going to get the result on the weekend you know and so from there it started obviously when it it did uh, we we got slapped by passing the four three heard it heard it everybody and it wasn't our best game I remember in the locker room we had we had a good chat and uh, I was one of, of the guys that spoke that hey Personally, it was not like my best game. I know, I know that um, I'm able to raise my hand when when I'm in when I'm in a situation that I did not perform as well as I'm as I, I can, you know, and I can, can help the team. And so uh, we spoke, and we basically said to to do a real uh, an inspection of of each other, where what can we do better because we're on the clock, and uh, the clock is ticking, and it's our career, and it's. It, it, it's a season that was really important after the year three of a rebuild with with 2019 we didn't have enough quality 2020 was really close uh, it was really close and in fact they did change the point per game ratio instead of just points uh, and then 2021 it was a normal season in terms of points and we did not even play it against the, the eastern conference only Montreal and Toronto so uh, that was the choice that we that we that we decided, and from there, to be fair, uh, one win, two win, three win, or uh, unbeaten on the road, or you go to to a week and you get seven points. Well, it, it's mentally good, and from there, uh, the guys are positive, uh, work harder, the mood is a little bit lighter, and it's uh, it's contagious, you know. Uh, that, that's what it is. MLS. It's such a weird league because you just string a few results together and you start to climb the table. And I know lots of leagues are like that, but it really seems in MLS, if you go on a run, good or bad, it, you just rise or, or drop like a stone. Going into August, bottom of the standings, and I, I know you were you were coming back to Vancouver. We talked about it on our show that I, I felt you basically had to win every single home game, I felt, to, to make the playoffs and then pick up what you could on the road. And it looked a tall order. But you looked at some of the fixtures that were coming up towards the end of the season and you're thinking, oh, are those games you can take points from? Did you always believe, like, deep down, I, I know you might say publicly over the season, yeah, we can we can do this, we can make the playoffs, but when you were sitting bottom, 
did you genuinely believe that you had a shot of getting into the playoffs? Uh, the chances were, the percentage were, were small. I got to be honest. At beginning of August, you're you're you're, you're last in, in the conference, and you're like, okay, how do we start from the next game, next game, next game, right? But you feel like we were not dead, but we were real super close. You know, we, we were with a straw trying to to breathe a little bit out of the water, right? So uh, that was my my feeling. It was small percentages, but how do I affect the group uh, as as a leader and as uh, the goalkeeper? I gotta stand up and and ask the best of everybody and be hard on everybody, even myself. You know, that's the other way. Go in training, train hard, set an example for for my teammates, and after that, like. I, I know I can be hard on my teammates sometimes. I definitely know that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm someone who, who's really peeking on details and, and he's trying to, 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 to be the best version of himself. And when he, I'm not on the best version of myself, I can be moody sometimes. And I know that, you know, in, in the squad. And the guys know that. That's my personality. But in the meantime, I think I can, I can bring a lot of good of my teammates and, and I can push them and give them confidence and really set you know, on, on a night, I can save some points for my team, you know. So uh, I, I think beginning of August, it was like, whew, I'm not so sure. And then beginning of, of September was like, okay, we can do this. And then obviously October came in, oh, October, September. And like, you can really, uh, you have a belief and you look at the standings. And then the other thing as well is that you play everybody in the same conference. So you, you pick points against pretty much everybody. Uh, and that's why this year, especially this year, when you get on a road, uh, on a run of, of three, four wins or three, four loss, it hurts or you're climbing up because every team plays everybody. They, they, don't, they don't flip conferences or whatever. So uh, that, that's the thing this year made an impact of, of how, how massive these run of games were. Obviously, there was the, a change of coach towards the end of the season as well, and you've known Mark for a long time. I've known Mark from before the Whitecaps were, were in MLS, and I'd chatted to Mark on and off over the years before he came to the Whitecaps. So I was surprised to see him go when he did. I, I said to him if he'd gone at the end of that RSL game, I maybe wouldn't have been surprised. I thought that might have been the time they did it. But what was the mood like at, at that point in, in the group? You always hear players say, oh, they feel that they're responsible and they've got a point to prove. And then Vanny came in and his enthusiasm, it's just like infectious. I mean, what was that time like and what has Vanny brought to the team? Because obviously he's, he's going to be here again for the next two years. Yeah, no, I do. Uh, I do know Mark for a long time. I mean, Phil, you know, we uh, we go for for way back, even provincial teams. And I was 15 training uh, with with the Impact. Now CF Montreal, obviously. Uh, back then, it was still the Impact. So um, he's the first coach that brought me into a first team environment, you know. And then Phil, through provincial team and, and um, uh, francophonie games in, in France, actually, he was my coach. So. Um, you know, they did a great job building the, the team from scratch because there was maybe 10 guys on the roster in 2019. You know, of course, there was some uh, some players that there was some mis mislead or misguidance. It didn't turn off, uh, didn't came up well, but uh, there's others like Dajo, Debe, you know, these kind of guys, uh, Kao, that, that came in. 
uh, Ryan, you know, uh, of course, Ryan, uh, Brian White, uh, you know, they, they did a great job building the squad because they did, they did build the squad. And then obviously uh, the result, the coaching, the coaching part and the managing part of, of indiv managing individualities uh, in, in a young locker room where there's a little bit less, less experience uh, than, than others' locker room. Uh, I think that was where it kind of hurted uh, the, the squad. The squad was a little bit hurted because they were coaching and, and then there was the managing of individuals. And this is where it was a little bit touchy with, with Mark and Phil. And I spoke, spoke with them a little bit like that. He did a fantastic job building the squad. And then it was just the managing part. That was some few bumps. But then Vanny, what he brought about about Vanny is that he makes every he believes and gives a chance to every single one of of the guys on the roster, right? And um, sometimes uh, the, the way Vanny does is infection. So I just, as you say, uh, you can you can you can hear him, and everybody go goes and fully follows him, right? Uh, and Vanny has that enthusiasm and he believes in everybody to give a fair shot like Vancouver did for, for him. And so um, that's, that's the thing about it too, where he has a system. He's really clear on, on the tactics because I think deep down, I, I believe that the tactics were, was really the, 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 the change of, of our, our season, the, the three, four, one, two, at the beginning was maybe it took two weeks of adaptation with our players to figure out uh, the positioning on and off the ball. But then when, when the guys really understood it, uh, there were some good performances and, and uh, we were a team that did not concede uh, a lot of shots compared to the first out of the season or we were able to, to get ties on the road at places that we, we would have go before and we couldn't pull off a resort, uh, result, right? So uh, that's the, the big difference where Van, he's, a, he's an incredible at managing individual, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it just comes across constantly. I, I love three at the back. I wanted the Whitecaps play it for years, and then every time we did play it, it was a disaster. But it seems we finally find it how, how it works now, which is good. Last thing on this season. Obviously, the playoff loss at KC was disappointing because everyone was getting swept up in the moment. When you see how the rest of the playoffs have played out, does it hurt even more? Because it's like you could be playing a Western Conference final this weekend, realistically. Yeah, correct. Correct. Uh, um, Salt Lake upset, upset uh, Seattle and then KC and... Uh, that's that's what it is, you know. And if you're a team and you come in with rhythm into into the playoffs, well, this is what what's happening. And then Salt Lake pull, is able to put it off, which uh, the odds were were not so good on them, right? No one would have, have pictured Salt Lake in a conference final, but uh, they're able to do it. And credit credit for to them, you know. Uh, they 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 have a. Paolo is a good coach, and then for me, this team is breeding on on Krelach, To be honest, if he's not there, it's a completely different team. But uh, that's another type of discussion. But yeah, yeah, he's one of those the, guys that you would love to have in Vancouver. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, Krelach. Yeah, is uh, yeah the way he plays and the way he 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 runs uh, with his teammates, the way he leads. He's a he's a great player, and then. Um, Obviously, the the loss in KC was was not what we 
what we wanted to 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 pull out from from that game uh, uh 90 minutes but i believe yeah we had more possession i think it was 65 ish uh, in our favor but they were better with the ball it's whatever you're doing with the ball yeah. while you're having it and they were better they were more uh more uh effective uh when they had the the attacks or the chances to do to make a final act you know i think we had one or two good final acts and one of them is milia when he literally shot brian on the lineup with a with a header uh, and that's it you know it's how many final acts can you create how, how effective can you be and uh to be honest in the playoff we've seen it portland go to knock out colorado at the end uh, on a corner set piece set piece is something really important you know uh the uh, one one little glimpse of of focus can cost you uh, your season right there. Um, but yeah, overall, even yesterday, I was watching New England and uh, New York FC where uh, it, it, New York FC came into the playoffs with a little bit of of rhythm. I wouldn't say rhythm, but one, two good flashes in regular season. And now look where they are. And you got New England, the, the, Shield, uh, the Shield winners, uh, that did not play for two weeks and then they're a little bit rusty yeah, and they cannot generate too much. And so, you know, it's uh, it's like this, uh, the MLS playoff. Yeah. yeah, it was like 23 days without yeah. them having a game. That's just, that's just not it's right. It's not healthy for the body, uh, especially at that time of the year. You need it to keep it sharp. Uh, you rather play every four days than, than every two weeks. Yeah. So how enthusiastic are you for for next year then? Because we know we've got Vanny now. There's going to be obviously some additions. I'm sure there's going to be movement uh, in the squad as well. The West was tough this year, as it always is. But now you've got Nashville coming in next year just to make it even tougher. How How confident or how enthusiastic are you for this squad going into next year? Uh, you know, it's... Uh... I think there's there's more and there's another gear to the team. Um, uh, there was some discussion at the end of the year where uh, the next the next uh, gear to this team is to find out a way to uh, break teams down when they're, they're the other team figure us out how the way we build out and the way we play, uh, like KC did. You know they figure us out and and there was no really plan B solution. It was really stick to what you you know, and try to break them down, but they were prepared and they were not having any of it. So the other gear is to, to on the field, the players that are on the field find the solution to break the team when they figure it out already. What can you do to affect and make them think and say, oh man, they're, we're in trouble now because they figured out and they're adjusted. And then now we need to adjust to them and not be all the way around. Because um, if if you do that, well, you're not chasing anything. The other team is chasing you, and when you're chasing a football game, it's more difficult to, to win it. So um, I think uh, that that's that's the next level to the team. And then, to be fair, uh, we need to keep pounding on where we we were good at it. You know, um, I think there was some really good links. Uh, sometimes tactically, the distance between the team and possession were was good. And uh, there's always room for improvement. Uh, the final act, like I said, is is a big one uh, where uh, we were a better team uh, in the second half of the season, scoring goals and putting crosses in and, and et cetera. So I think it's it's about to, to the basics of the game, the distance, uh, the communication, the organization, the compactness defensively. 
so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting because in this league, uh, it's like a musical chair sometimes, you know. Uh, some faces are going, some faces are coming, but they're all familiar with the league. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be cool. It's obviously, apart from club football, been a huge year for you on the international stage. How how difficult was it to to be playing domestically and then going into Canada camp and then coming back and then going away again? Is it hard to adjust or do you just slot straight into both environments really quickly? Yeah, you do slot so quick because there's two different vibes. Going into camp, that is, basically it's my most loaded year that I, I've been, you know, I think I, I, I every, after every year I check out my, my numbers and all that stuff and 37 games is the highest of my career so far and it's good because I, I feel great and uh, I want more. Uh, 37 games, uh, 20, I think it was eight with the national team. Yeah, eight and 29 with, with the Caps, something like that. Uh, but uh, you just slot in right there when you go to the national team because it's a different environment. You're there for a bigger reason than your club football. You're you're playing better opponents as well. To to be to be honest, uh, you, and, and there's no tomorrow in in club in international football. If you lose your chance, well, your 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 ticket to Qatar might be over. Uh, you know, and, and for for me, the Gold Cup experience was was not, there's no tomorrow. It was kind of a preparation to the qualifying round of, uh, the, the, uh, of Qatar 2022. Um, but I think you slots right in. The most uh, important thing is to adjust and recover and be smart about what you're doing on and off the pitch, load, like especially managing your load. That's the most important thing because uh, if not, you burn the candle by the two sides, you know? Yeah. The, the in your wildest dreams, like when you started off the year and you're you're playing in all these wonderful, weird places against teams that everyone knew Canada were going to beat them, but you still have to beat them on the pitch. It's okay saying, oh yeah, we'll easily beat them, but you still have to get the job done. When you're doing all that and going through this long path, could you have imagined that by the end of the year you'd be sitting top of the octo? Yeah, I think that's that's a thing that uh, the team was aware of the last time we got together in Edmonton. Uh, was that something that we pictured? Maybe not first, but we knew we were top three. You know, we that was the objective. The objective is after every window being top three, and now that we're first in uh, for the new year, the objective is to be first at the end of January, and then to be first at the end of March. You know. Uh, that's the objective because that's the mindset of this group is to is to take every point that we can take and to win all the games. I believe that we have a group that can pull it off all more away. You, 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 we have the depth and the quality to to pull it off. Uh, so the the most important most important thing is, is to go to Qatar top three, and then it's all right. What's the small details? Where can you? close the gap in between the FIFA ranking of Mexico and then the States. Where can you find that gap? And then obviously bumping the, the, the point system in CONCACAF as well. Well, yeah, I mean, Canada's risen up the FIFA rankings incredibly this year. And you, you look at the, the Octo, and it does look like there's a top four, bottom four split. And I know things can change really quickly, but it looks like there's four teams battling for the three automatic, and then whoever's fourth probably are going to end up playing New Zealand. So even that path looks pretty 
pretty good. Do you allow yourself to get ahead and dream of going to a World Cup, or can you not allow those thoughts in your head? You 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 can do it after the games, after the windows. I'm sorry, not after the games. You can do it, but like when we beat Mexico and Edmonton, you can think of it. You can think of it. When you beat Panama and Toronto, you can think of it. You know, the, the last game day of camps, you can think of it. But you can definitely not put yourself right now because the hardest is to go to Honduras, go to Edmonton, go to Salvador, then you go to Costa Rica. Uh, Costa Rica, Panama, and then I'm missing one. Jamaica, we, re, uh, we received yeah. Jamaica. Yeah, home to Jamaica. So, we still have four aways and tough, tough places to go. Uh, and uh, we're aware that we are first, but there's only two points playing the top four, which is, uh, is uh, it, it, it's a place that you cannot get comfortable. You cannot get comfortable and you have to win your games. You have no choice about that. And uh, you cannot sit on your, on your arse and say, oh, that's good. We're one. No, no, no. Everybody in, in Europe, uh, European football, they're all pushing and uh, we're all following the boys still in season. Um, and then you get the MLS guys who, who's taking their rest right now because it's important. And then right off the bat, uh, following really, uh, really close your, your off-season program to make sure that in January you're fit to go right away and not being in preseason form. Yeah, I, I might have Canada and Scotland to cheer for at the World Cup. That would just be so I'd love to go. I always said if both countries went, I would go. But I don't really want to go to Qatar for the heat aspect. But I don't know. It's a long flight. It's a long flight too, but it's okay. Yeah. It's, I'll for see better reason. Now, I, I want to talk to you just a little bit to wrap this up about penalties. Because you had two massive penalty saves this year. Canada, Mexico, Gold Cup, Whitecaps, Dallas, MLS... What's your favorite save of those two? Ah, tough question. You're cornering me right now. <laughs> um, I think they're, they're both, both different in some way. Um, I, I don't know. I don't. I can't. I can't answer that. To be honest, I feel like both are, are on the same pedestal where. The Vancouver against Dallas, it, it's a key moment in our season where yeah. if we drop these points, we're pretty much dead. Where the last seven, eight games of the year, they were all finals. You needed to get the points, a tie or a win. If not, you were dropping and you were out of the the window a little bit of, of the playoffs. Uh, it's like literally the last five games where we need to win it. If not, it's dead almost, you know. So um, that that was a key moment, and then the Mexico moment was 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 good because I think it was one of uh, one of the moments in the like ninety minutes that defines intensities, and and it's one of the moments um, that builds a little bit of of rivalry between a renewed rivalry between the new countries. You know, in the past there was there was. No pictures. Sometimes Mexico was better than Canada, right? But now it's not the same thing. It's uh, we're head to head against them, and and we got four points out of them. Yeah, and you you saw how riled up they were at the end of that game in Edmonton. So you've got under their skin, which is great to do. Absolutely, absolutely. You know that's the 
that's why I, that's why I think I love this moment too because it started from that gold cup and then it goes to Aztec and then it finishes at Edmonton. Yeah. That I I watched both saves again just before I chat to you just now and I I totally forgot at the in the Dallas one all the players to a man yeah. rushed to you and the game's still going on and they're about to take a throw in. What was going through your your head at that point? Because you're just like telling, go away, go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember everybody jumping and everything and then I realized the ball's on a throw and the only guy who's, who's trying to to play that throw in is Daybear, which is the smallest guy on the pitch. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then everybody realized, oh shit, we got to throw. Yeah. We got to throw into the fence. So that was the, that was a fun moment. And then the images are, are, are fun as well. It's like, uh, it's like when we're small kids, we're like uh, eight or 10 years old. And then your goalkeeper says a penalty, everybody goes with them, but the ball still doesn't play. And uh, yeah, that was a, that was a good moment for, for our team. That was good. Yeah, it was fantastic. I, in the press box, because we're not meant to cheer or shout, and it was really hard not to, because you're like you knew how huge that was for, for the for the whole season. But with penalties now in the new rules, how difficult is it for you? How does it play in your mind? I've got to keep my foot on the line, or have without giving your secrets away, have you got a method now that's going to guarantee that your foot's on the line? Uh, I don't have a personally. I don't have a method to to guarantee that. I think it's more on the moment present. The most important thing and something that I still need to to train. And I cannot take five thousand PKs in training and still not the same the game day with the importance of points on the line and the fans, the nerves. It it doesn't. You cannot reproduce that. You can only have it in games. But I think the biggest thing is is to be on the line, stay high as stay as long as you can on the line, stay as high as trying to read cues. Of course, you you watch uh, videos of, of the shooter and his tendencies, but um, sometimes it doesn't mean anything, you know? So it's really on the moment, try to black out everything and then really focus on the ball, the runner up, and then you stay as high as you can because with the nerves and everything, sometimes I go a little bit too early and I have to, to stay a little bit further on my line and the two saves i'm really to the last second i'm just standing up you know so these are the the little details that i, I can bring to to my game as a keeper how much do you hate stutter steps i hate it as a fan watching it it just even if it's my team doing it i just hate it, it yeah. I, I don't know why it's allowed because how how can you not react when the guy's running and then he suddenly stops but you've already moved yeah exactly i think that's uh that's a hard one of course i don't know why it won't it won't change you you know uh, the game wants the game wants goals and uh it's, it's been around for a long time it hasn't been addressed well no, it's haven't been addressed it's not illegal you know it's just more yeah. difficult for us sometimes uh, to and I guess it's not meant to be advantageous for the keeper because it's a penalty, yeah. but still. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, but still. But it is what it is, right? And and so uh, that's why it's, it's so important to stay as high as you can for as long as you can because uh, you cannot give one little inch. If not, it's done. Uh, and it will, a well-taken penalty, even if you're going early, it's going to be a goal. Um, and you've seen it in the playoffs uh, a oh, few days ago. Yeah, New York City's were amazing. Exactly, they were all uh, small nets, and, and uh, they were with good pace. You know, the, these PKs are, are fantastic. 
And then uh, if you a goalkeeper saves it, it's it's not the proper height, it's not the proper pace. There, there's always something. So uh, if it's well struck, you have no choice, no chance, basically. I know folk always say, "Oh, he's missed the penalty, not the keeper saved it." Yeah, <laughs> typical. So, last couple of things. What what's the off season looking like for you? Are you staying in Vancouver? Are you you heading back? To yeah, I'm in Montreal Vancouver? already. I'm in Montreal already. So, ah. uh, yeah, I flew uh, last Tuesday. Exactly, last Tuesday I flew, and then uh, I have a two weeks off, absolutely nothing. So uh, on the sixth, we first. Yeah, exactly. Now we're in the first, and then uh, next uh, Monday uh, I restart my my program. Uh, I took two weeks of nothing. I have the three three workouts on the week of the six, and then the thirteenth, I have gyms and on field sessions until uh, the preseason. So to be fair, uh, right now it's time to to relax, <laughs> do not think about football, and then um, go go again and be uh, and be ready for the the new year. Oh, th- well, thanks for speaking to me today and reliving the football. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today, Max. Um, have a great Christmas, enjoy your time off, enjoy the time with your family, and we'll see you next year when you're back in Vancouver. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. And Take you care. too. Eh? Have a good holiday season. Thanks, Max. So Maxime Crapeau there, the first award winner in our end-of-season AFT awards. Who's picked up the other gongs? What other ones have we given out? Find out more after this. Hi, I'm Javien Braun and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's one of the songs from 2021 that I alluded to in the last part. It was released in September by old English punk band The Stranglers. Back to some of their top form with that song, and it's called This Song. Check it out in all the usual places. 
So we're going to continue handing out AFTN awards in this part. We've got a few more to hand out this week. We'll do some more next week as well. And then we'll type everything up in, as usual and, and have it up on the website, AFTN.ca. So we got our player of the year, Maxime Cropot, in the last part. Let's turn our attention now to our young player of the year. And for that, we're looking at under 23. So we'll start with Steve for this award. Who are you handing it to? It's a tough call between two players, but I'd have to give it to, I think, the the one that had the most run over the full season, and that's uh, Diver Caicedo. Um, Javain Brown is another candidate, uh, but Caicedo, the, the assists, like Zach mentioned um, previously, and the fact that he is up for, like, uh, like would be an honorable mention and the most valuable, that probably puts him over the top for the young player of the year. Yeah, it's it's hard not to to go to go that route. Uh, he's an exciting player, uh, who, yeah, he, he, the number of assists he he brought to this uh, side of this team was a little bit surprising for me, especially because a lot of it was played not like not as a winger. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think he's a dynamic young player, and uh, I, I agree with J- Javain Brown. Javain Brown, I think, was. Yeah, Javain Brown was, I think, the surprise player of the year. But yeah, yeah. If we're going to hand out a gong for surprise player, he's definitely that guy. Or, or, or if like getting the most out of not knowing what was there, what like however you want to word that, that's that's Javain Brown. Because as a draft pick, I would have, I wouldn't have been surprised if he didn't see the see the field. Like, yeah. Other, yeah. like and, and the thing is, a Egbo. lot of people had Egbo as the the draft pick that would probably make the most impact. Yeah, he's the surprise down. player for the wrong reasons because he yeah. he just didn't live up to what we we're hoping for. I mean, you looked at those draft picks back in January, and like Javane Brown isn't your typical draft pick because he'd played internationally for his country at senior level. Uh, so I mean, he's not just your normal draft pick guy. But he's a guy that's really got his head screwed on when you talk to him and he knows what it takes to be a professional. He's fully committed. He's yeah. no Darren Maddox-like Jamaican character, if you wanted to, to say that. But sh- he said himself that other Jamaican players have been in this league and and he wants to be a better example than they are. So you can read into that what you want or who he was talking about. But And, and the thing is about, about, like, we're talking about, well, we'll talk about more of the draft. It's like, Getting the players, like, I, I never understood why people waste draft picks on strikers. And, yeah, once in a while you'll get a top one. But once you, unless you're the top striker in the draft, you're not going to get, like, the translation of scoring goals in college to oh, MLS yeah. is so huge. Yeah. Even even central midfielders, you're you're not going to, you got to concentrate on the, the wide areas and your center backs. And goalkeeper. Those are the positions you want to go for. And Javain Brown is a prime example of that, of somebody who plays in those spots. Obviously, probably center back is his most natural position, but being able to play wing back in wide areas, that's that's helpful. I know we're going deep down the Javain Brown uh, rabbit trail here, but as we talk about Javain Brown, one of the things that was most surprising for me as we got to see that he was a, a player who was going to contribute was that we didn't get to see him play at center back, which is the position I thought he would yeah. feature at more and, and and at right back or right wing back would be more um, a secondary option for him where it, as the season went on, became the primary thing. But overall, he made significant contributions that I think they are so happy for. And I, I know we're waxing lyrical about Javain Brown there. For me, he was the runner-up as well. I, I, I gave it for the young player to Deber Casido as well. 
I'm excited. Like, if we can fully utilise Daber and find his proper role or his best role in our system, what he could be next season with a, this season under his belt is so exciting because for a lot of this year, he outperformed Christian Dahomey for me. I know Christian had a really good start to this season, but by the end of it, if, if you're saying to me, which one of those two would you want on the pitch more? Caicedo was the, the one I would actually pick. He's so, got yeah. a better potential rating in FIFA too. Oh, but that's all that matters. So yeah, he's our young player of the year. Do you agree, disagree? Let us know. Let's move on away from the individual, well, kind of away from the individual. I guess this next couple is individual to an extent, but it's still team awards. So goal of the year, and let's start with Zach for this one. My, oh my God, I, I look at your list and I, it's hard for me to disagree with your, your goal for Dajo against the Galaxy. Uh, like a good, uh, like a good, a good goal and, and massive, uh, massive goal for the club at the time. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's probably my choice as well. Yeah, um, I, I went for that when it was a Galaxy in July. Um, yeah. It was the winner, but it was just it was his pass, and then he collected it, and then he finished. Um, it was his pass to White. It was horrible Galaxy defending because his pass to White was like comedy as the three LA players just were drawn like a magnet to White and then White's just like, all right, I'll just play it back to Dajo and Dajo just fires it in. For comedy effect as well, it was worth it, but it, I just liked the the team the team dynamic, the importance of it and just the build-up of it, Steve. Um, I, I don't disagree with that choice and I'll, I'll concede it if both of you guys agree. The one I would... Uh, give it to would be the uh, goal against Portland by Diver Casido. Um, oh, wait. Um, more of an, uh, like, in that kind of lifted the game, put the game in a different kind of uh, part two. And um, so I, I, I would give it to that one, but I have no problem with the home goal. It was quality goal. Steve, that goal was, I, I, I hear what you're saying in terms of that goal being like massively significant and important because I think that was. To me, when you look back, that was the game that made it possible for them to actually make the playoffs. Uh, and so, yeah, it was significant. But the goal itself, like, well, I felt know, I know, I know the LA, I know the LA defending was not good on, on Dasho's goal, but the the way that he kind of just easily walked in, walked in to score on. Yeah, uh, but sometimes you don't always go to the defending. Like, there's a reason why well, the yeah. defending sports because it was a great attacking play. And for me, Casino, the way the fact that he was able, and at one point, like I said, when in the post game for that, it seemed like he kind of changed gears a little bit and 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 slipped away from that Portland defender as well. And that's where I I, I really like that goal and just for the individual effort in it. And it came out of nowhere, honestly. I did not expect him to score oh, a goal like that. Yeah, the 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 thing is, like with this award, goal of the year, we've talked about this at previous years when we we do this award. Everyone's idea of what a goal of the year is and what they're looking for, I mean, it's, it's different. Some folk like long-range galazzos yeah. or dramatic bicycle kicks or something out of the ordinary. For me, I always like something that's a, a, a good team goal or has a little nice little bit of interplay in it. I mean, galazzos are, are nice. A lot of the time, they are quite lucky because you could try it nine times out of ten, it goes flying over the bar or something. It's when it comes off, I mean, it, it's spectacular. It's like Eric Hasley's goal. Absolutely spectacular. Uh, Golazzo for the ages. 
how many times would he do that? And how many times would it fly over the bar? So there's well, a for, an element of luck in, in those kind of goals as well. Well, well he did it a couple of times at least. Ah, yeah, true. And a, a, a similar thing when it comes to criteria is our next award, which is save of the year. So for save of the year, it could be, and it doesn't always have to be a goalkeeper, it could be a dramatic goal line clearance by a defender. But for save of the year, you could go for a save that was really important. Or it could be a world-class save. Uh, it's like, how on earth did he, he get his, his fingers to that? Or it could be a, a double or a triple save that just really kind of ignites people. So for save of the year, what I've gone with as my nomination, it's Maxime Cropot, no surprises there, his double save against Dallas in the 2 all draw on July 4th, both saves coming off Pepe. Now, I know you could argue for his save in the game against Dallas at BC Place in September with that dramatic stoppage time penalty save. You could even argue his last-ditch save last seconds against Seattle that basically put the the Whitecaps into the playoffs because if he hadn't got on top of that ball, then if the Sounders had scored, the Whitecaps weren't in the playoffs. But I, I went for quality and I do like a double or triple save. So so that's that was my nomination, Steve. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that save, but I do have uh, the stoppage time penalty save. Uh, st- mm. A penalty save is hard, uh, very hard uh, to come up with. Uh, the, the scorer should have a massive advantage over the goalkeeper. And for me, and and you were talking about criteria before, um, goals usually don't have that for me, like the importance of the goal, but saves you. Um, because that, there are more, they can uplift the team and do, and they can turn it around. Um, uh, the thing is with the Pepe, the double save there, I think they scored like two or three minutes later or six minutes later. And, they, and so... Um, it was definitely huge, but they scored right away. This one was at the end. The biggest part of this save as well, <laughs> the the uplifting, the way the team all crowded around yes. Max Crepeau, and he's the one that had to tell him the game's still going on, get back into the game. Um, he was just cool and cal- calm, collected. He made the save. He, he he doesn't... I know he's made a couple penalty saves this year, uh, one against Mexico as well, in, versus uh, while playing for Canada. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, he he's not known for stopping that many penalties, if I'm not mistaken, over his career. So that that was a huge save. That saved him two points, and it was massive for them. So yeah. that's why that's my nominee. Yeah, for, for me, it's also I got I got to agree with Steve on this one. It's the it's a penalty save just because it's uh, it it won the game. It was it was match winning and it was quality. Again, I I, I do have to mention though, the save was quality. But the, the shot wasn't the best. wasn't the best. But still, I think this that save. But, I think I think but you could say that you could say that against Pepe too. Pepe had a, a, two saves off him at a point blank range. Like you could say the shot. Yeah, he should have done both, better with his shot. Yeah, they were both really close. And in. And, and, and the fact that Max Max has done a triple save before. Who cares yeah. about double saves? That's it. That's it. That's just yeah. The, the triple save. I think won it last year or the year before. Yeah. one of the last so, two years. So yeah, he's done a triple save before. So what's you know what's a double save for him? It's it's a common place for him. I I will bow down to the consensus. We'll we'll go with with that one. I, either of them, 
to be fair, I would have been happy with. They were they were both quality saves. And, and, and the thing of I it, mean, you get the celebration afterwards, which I think is just as quality as anything yeah. else. Yeah, I the mean, video, if you put a video up. It, it was just it was amazing that thing. We we talked about Max to, to Max about that in our chat in the last part, and as you said, Steve, just everyone, it's like they thought the game was over, and they're all congratulating yeah. him. And as Max pointed out, one guy is alert to defend the throw in, and it's the smallest guy in the pitch. It's Daber. Yeah. He's like, go, 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 and 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 I do agree that uh, that's the save, that last ditch save against Seattle, it was, it was hugely important. But mm. that one definitely it was just more of a scramble than it. Yeah, that was just like falling on the ball. But do, do but, anything to keep it. Out. But if he didn't stop that, we're not even talking about the playoffs, and Sartini might not have a job at this point. Yeah, fine, fine lines. I I believe a wise man once said. But let, let us know, as always, with all these awards, goal of the year, save of the year, what, what you would pick. A couple more we'll, we'll do this episode. Game of the year. And we will start with Steve for this one. Yeah, I had a couple of, uh, you know, other options. Like, there were a couple, two or three games that I thought were pretty good. Uh, but the one I went with was the away win at Portland. It was, you know, the, I obviously mentioned the casino goal before. But they were down 2-0 at that time. Um, he scored that first goal in the 63rd, and then and then Brian White scores, and then and then and then they won the game, I think, in the 80th or something minute. That that's a math that was a massive turnaround. Because you're not expecting anyway anything from that game in the first place. And then they go 2-0 down. I'm sure a lot of people turned the game off at halftime. Yeah. And didn't come back to it. Um the other two games that I did think of as well. Uh, was the 2-1 win against LAFC at BC Place. It was the first game back at BC Place. Um, and that had, you know, obviously significance as well, the fact that they were back in the stadium and they won the first game. And it kind of started the upwards trend. And then obviously the 4-1 win uh, against RSL at home as well. And that was the Sartini debut. So that was a huge game as well. But Overall, significance-wise and entertainment-wise, the fact that they came back against a rival at their stadium, um, potential you know, MLS Cup winner. Yeah, and we, yeah, and we, we didn't have to hear any chainsaws in that second half or anything like that. <laughs> it was just wave of wave of Whitecaps coming at them. Yeah, one one of two wins against the potential MLS Cup winners that the Whitecaps have under the belt. That that was my selection for game of the year as well. October twentieth, the three-two win at Portland. Zach, you agree? You got anything else to throw in the mix? No, I mean, you, I, I don't know how you can choose anything other than that. I mean, the, the only sad part is there wasn't a massive amount of away support there to, yeah. to be a part of it. But, it, I mean, yeah, if there was, it would be the kind of thing that people would be talking about for a long time, from, you know, from their trip from their trip, and from being there for it. So, yeah, you have to go with a, a, a two-nil or a two-goal come-from-behind victory in Cascadia away. So we're just going to do two more awards for this week. Um, the first of them, I'll I'll kind of lead because I, I know you guys haven't seen much I, I, of I, these I, games, but I, I I do have one person that ah, I because awesome. I talked to a couple people about that. So it's our Academy Player of the Year, and for the Academy Player of the Year, I'm going to include under twenty threes as well. So basically, anyone that isn't signed to an MLS deal right now, and. The guy that I've went for is 19-year-old midfielder, come forward now and again, Emiliano Brienza, who has... He's had a really good season with the academy and with the under-23s in particular. 
Now, he was part of the Whitecaps pre-season squad. He was one of the guys that was called up. And Mark DeSantis was quite high on him. They were wanting to have a look at him. But he got an injury that derailed his, his pre-season. And then he's just been kind of like playing for the under-23s. Fully expect Emiliano to be involved in the, the pre-season that's going to be starting in January. Went to see a, goal, a game against Reno's Tigers. He scored all four goals or three goals. He definitely got, at least got a first-half hat-trick. And he looked so sharp, and other games I've seen him play, he's looking so sharp as well. So I definitely think he's one to watch. He was born in Puerto Vallarta, the same as my dog Penny. So that's a, another tick in his column as well. So who who's your nomination, Steve? I, sorry, this is not a nomination. I must have misread the thing. This is not Academy Player of the Year, but it's just Academy Player to watch. For oh, me. okay. Uh, so this is so you, we can definitely go with uh, Emiliano for the award. Uh, but for me, the uh, a player to watch and I don't recall what level he's at. He might be under 17s. He might be under 19s, but his his name is Victor Ocom. He's from uh, Edmonton. He is listed as a midfielder, but he has played a lot of center back. Um, He's six foot three. He he basically the description I was given, I have only seen highlights of him. I have not seen play because it's too hard to get out to play, watch these guys play anymore, especially the Academy players. Um, so up at UBC, but it's just yeah, and, and UBC and a lot of them are closed doors. You can't even go in there. They don't really announce when they play and everything like that. Um, so, um, he, but from what I've been told by a lot of people that have watched them, uh, seen them, and and none of them are from the Whitecaps uh, uh, group and everything. Um, he's he's really good at. He's very aggressive and very confident at uh, tackling, um, uh, getting the ball away from players, and he's really good at getting the ball up the field. Uh, the one thing he does need to work on is uh, being comfortable on the ball. and But he's really uh, like a midfielder turned center back, essentially. And so it could be something that could work in a if they decide to keep going with this three-back center back crew. Like he could be a, a very confident player in that position in the future. I'm going to trust your, your perspective on this, Michael, because like Steve, uh, it's been a long time since I've watched uh, the, the, uh, the, the academy, the residency players play. Well, that will change when BC League One comes and we've got the under-19s and that and the MLS Reserve League. Although, again, if all the games are up at UBC, it's not really ideal but at either. Least, I'm pretty sure but the Whitecaps would love to be at Swan Guard or something. Yeah, but at least they have to play away games other places so we can watch them there. Yeah. So that's a positive. So our last award, the Whitecap to watch in 2022. And we'll start with Zach for, for this one. Which white cap player, and it could be from any, so it could be from the first team, it could be from the academy, the under-23s, who do you think is going to be a guy that this time next year we're going to be like, wow, what a season this guy had? Uh, yeah, so I, I'm pretty sure I know who you guys are going to talk about, and so I'm going to take a totally different approach to this, Oh, kind of like Steve did with the academy there. To me, the, the white cap player to watch for uh, 2022 is going to be Brian White. And I say that, obviously, I'm coming at it from a very different perspective. Yeah, uh-huh. Like I've said before in talking about his season and his future, to me, he's the one to watch to see if he's able to be as important and as significant a player. If he's able to score as many goals as he as he did in especially this run at the end of the year with, um, especially when he was able to link up with, you know, Ryan Gold. Um, that I think is really key for for Vancouver. Uh, I think kind of 
they might bring in other players. There might be other options. Uh, Cava might transform into someone who cares about club football. Um, but I think that's the player I think that is most significant for Vancouver next year in terms of what they're going to, what they're, what might he, how, as he goes, it might shape the white cap season next year. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. Because like when we were talking before about like getting magic in a bottle and everything that, that happened, that push to, to get into the playoffs, again, can you expect, we've spoken about this so many times, Brian White to keep up that level of scoring. Ryan Gold had scored one header in, in his career before coming to Vancouver, and then all of a sudden he's like the headmaster. Like for part real. two. And it's like, is that going to continue? Um we spoke to Ryan this week as well, so that will be a next week's show where we talk about that, so you can you can hear his thoughts on that in the next episode. But yeah, that's an interesting one. What about your, yourself, Steve? Who's your white cap to watch for whatever reason in 2022? Yeah, so for, for me, again, my, uh, my criteria is a little bit different as well uh, than what you described as the award, but is, I, I don't really see it as an award. I just more, more see it as like um, what would be important for the team. For me, it's uh, Kyle Alexandre. Um, I think he would be somebody huge to watch. We've saw glimpses of him, like we said in the past. He's, there's flashes there, and in next year he's going to be playing with a number ten. And how does that affect the way he plays? He, he's not going to be as stressed to become the you know the ultimate playmaker in the area. It takes a little bit of stress off his game, and he's able to maybe play a more comfortable, maybe something that's in line with what he's supposed to be providing the Whitecaps, and maybe he does play a little bit better and. Uh, I know a lot of people have questions about him. Uh, but maybe he's able to prove those questions incorrect, like the, uh, you know, not prove them incorrect, but uh, prove them, you know, quite down those questions and be able to prove what he can do on the field. Yeah, no, that's a fair shout as well. I, I, I like, I like that one, Steve. I thought Javain Brown, and we spoke about why early in the Young Player of the Year. Just if he gets a run in the team. It's going to be interesting to see exactly what he he does. Does he make the starting spot his own? Can he get over the the, the issues he had that had to get him coming off some games a little bit early? Pedro Vite, I thought of as well for the very same reasons, really that that Steve kind of said about Kyle. We we haven't seen him. We don't know what to expect. But if he's maybe going to be playing more of a number ten, he's only going to probably be playing a reduced role. So I I think actually Steve's one of of Kyle is a good one. But I also agree with what Zach said as well. Like Brian White, he if we don't if we're not looking to bring in a, another top quality striker, which we might be, we might be looking to bring in a striker. It's just maybe not a DP striker. But a lot is expected of White, and he has to keep this going. And can he keep it going? But I think Kyle for me is certainly someone that is going to be fun to watch. And hopefully, in a year's time, we're talking about oh, what a signing he proved to be now that we've seen him having his full season under the belt. I agree with you, too, that Pedro Vite, for me, is like an, almost an X factor. Like, we, like we've like seen a little bit of Kyle, but we haven't seen nothing yeah. of Vite. So, um, for him, for him, he might come in there and, and maybe he doesn't play as a number 10. Maybe he plays as the second, third midfielder with Kyle and Brian Gold. And that becomes a dynamic midfield, and where they're pushing forward and scoring goals all over the place. Yeah, I think I think even I can't remember if this is the language he used, but I think even Axel was saying in the Vanny press conference, you know, like Vite is like a new signing, right? Like yeah, he, and I know folk, whenever the Whitecaps have said stuff like that, because Mark got criticised for saying 
when folk were coming back from injuries and after the Gold Cup and stuff. And it's true. It's like a new signing and well, Kyle as well because we've never seen him. Well, that's it. Vite is different. He's never yeah. he's never been yeah. good yeah. with him in any way. So I, 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 it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. With when it comes to Brown, I guess. Uh, not every player goes through this, but you know the kind of stereotypical sophomore slump. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. Jake yeah. had that. Yeah, so you hope he is able <laughs> has to. Has Jake ever gone out of it? I think he has. I know. I'm, I'm just I know. I know. The last thing I would say about that, um, there's there's a lot of players that can be like to watch because a lot of players have kind of dipped a little bit. One yeah. another one would be Michael Baldissimo. Like he he mm. he definitely came up big last year. This year he had a little bit of that dip that you know. Uh, Zach mentioned, and does he bounce back and become a stronger player and 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 be able to provide more? You maybe it's a big year for him. Maybe they maybe they try him out at wing back or something because he has played fullback in the past. Maybe they so, try him out in Pacific and we have the Baldissimo brothers running the midfield yeah, there, possibly. Because he he needs to play. Though obviously, as we spoke in depth on last week, this reserve team league will get him those minutes. But that's our thoughts. Let us know who is your white cap to watch next year for whatever reason and criteria you want to pick. But that's all the awards we're going to give in this show. We'll do some more next time round as well, including like Tackle of the Year, Miss of the Year, Unsung Hero, and some of our more fun awards as well. But that is pretty much it for this week's show. But of course, we can't go without bringing you this week's wavelength. And I'm going back to 2006 this episode. And we're heading over to Denmark. It's a band from Copenhagen called Dream Jockey. This is from their album Wake Up Rock and it's called simply Soccer. Two thousand and six Danish band Dream Jockey 
with their song Soccer. Love their lyrics there. Kick the ball, not the man. Well, I say I love their lyrics. Obviously, I prefer kick the man and then get the ball by doing that. But VAR's kind of changed that. You can't really get away with that as as much anymore. But I thought I, I had this to, to play at some point. And I decided to go for a Danish band to mark the retirement of a former Whitecaps legend. He's hung his boots up. Former Whitecaps goalkeeper David Usted played his last match as a professional on Saturday. And just wanted to, to wish David all the very best from all of us at AFTN. I'm sure he's listening. And many happy memories of him and his time here in Vancouver. He was always a guy that had lots of time to, to chat with us on the show, deal with all our stupid segments that we had. And yeah, all the best in whatever your future career and wherever you decide to, to take it. Yeah, no one led a more passionate post-match celebration than David Osted did the one time he... He did that with us. Yeah, easy guy to talk to when you win. Easy guy to talk to when you lose. Yeah. Um, uh, just a professional, not yeah. a professional. And other than dealing with number tens, uh, probably not his favorite number. Um, it, it was fantastic time there. I mean, in all seriousness, that just showed his passion. And uh, if he felt someone wasn't pulling his weight for the team, he like calls someone out, and that's what you need in every locker room. I feel. I know the game's changing and it's folk are a bit more kind of like the hairdryer things, maybe not in full effect as it used to be. But he was passionate through and through. He wore his heart on his sleeve. All the very best, David. But that is it for for the show this week. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. Anything you learned this week or any final thoughts, Zach? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary AM. And uh, my f- I want to give a shout out to Rianne Wilkinson, uh, a f- friend of the show, Michael. Yes. Uh, and, and someone uh, else that I've always loved speaking to over the over the years. Exactly. Sure. And she has been appointed uh, the new coach of the Portland Thorns. So all, all, all my best, all our best to, to Riri, as Michael would say, <laughs> Michael would say uh, on, uh, on this uh, new appointment. And she'll be teaming up with Katrina LeBlanc, right? So they'll be yes. reunited. Um, and so- that scathing comment this week that she said that she knew that she had to flee Canada was the the wording used to be able to get a career in the game. Yeah. But Damn anyway, shout, shout out to her and congrats on the on the new appointment. Steve, any final thoughts or stuff for yeah, yourself? You can find my uh, me on Twitter at WhitecastBeat. I actually tweeted out today after the Pacific win uh, for once. I think I don't remember the last time I tweeted before that. Um, but um, I, I think this could be classified as a good uh, Pamudu coronavirus, where the, they started purple in the island, turned BC purple into Alberta, and now the whole nation is purple. So this is a good corona spread. Corona. Maybe I should dig out that Columbus Crew song that I love playing, where it goes, we are all yellow, we can just re-record it, and <laughs> we can do, we are all purple. Yeah, you're going to have to edit some other stuff out. Yeah, I might have to change quite a lot of the lyrics, but we can maybe get Pad doing it. We might get away with it. But I am Michael McCall. You can give me a follow on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Give us a like and a subscribe and turn on notifications on our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada for all our VMSL videos. And we've got other video plans coming up for the off-season. Now, something I learned this week 
is if you want to go viral, you just have to get a, a pretty girl rolling her eyes. Uh, I'm sure many of you will have seen a tweet. I genuinely had been watching something on the PVR, and before that I'd had a game on, on One Soccer. So I'd stopped what I was watching. One Soccer was just on the background. I happened to glance up and saw half time of the Tigris game, and Guy and a girl were chatting. And uh, the girl just rolled her eyes, and I was like, oh, that's that's world-class eye roll. Just two-second video, throwaway tweet, thinking, oh, maybe get 20, 30 likes or, or whatever. And I cannot believe how much that blew up. Now, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. Let me just see what we're currently sitting at well, with the stats well, for this. Well, the one, the one thing I will mention about it is that it, the fact that she had to wear a mask because of the, uh, you know, the pandemic and everything, it really emphasized the role of the eyes because that's all you saw in her face. Yes. So that really emphasized it, made it even bigger. Also, I realized during the pandemic that masks have made me appreciate how much I love eyes. And male yeah. and female, it's just just such a beautiful part of, of right. people's bodies. So it's had 770 likes, 313 retweets, quote tweets, and a staggering 846,000 views. Wow. Um, it's like, if this doesn't get to a million now, I'm going to be really pissed off. Wait, you tweeted this? Yeah. Yeah, he, t- he initially tweeted it. On what day? Uh, oh. On Wednesday. Yeah, so Wednesday. since Wednesday, 846,000 views. I should because have put it, a, a plug for the podcast in it. It, it got it got, uh, it got retweeted by a couple other people. Like big, oh, okay, like, I, I, I saw this. I thought you were just using someone else's video. Okay, no, yeah. that was no, mine. No. He made the video. Yeah, it's it's absolutely. That crazy. tells me that, that that maybe I should start tweeting more too because I've I've sent you guys stuff that I've noticed yeah. on things and then I don't I don't tweet it out. But the the girl in the video got in touch with me. Yeah, um, I, I saw that. I, I saw got kind of tagged into saying to yeah, her yeah. and then we were chatting. So basically, what had happened was she she's there with her boyfriend. She just asked her boyfriend what position Thoven played with Tigris because she wasn't sure what position he was playing and he wouldn't really give her an answer so she just kind of rolled her eyes and that was all it was <laughs> and now it's just gone but anyway that, w- that was a lot of fun but that is it for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show I hope you found this a lot of fun as well we will be back soon with more Whitecaps, MLS and CPL Canadian Soccer Chat until then, thanks for listening stay safe, hopefully it doesn't get too snowy wherever you are Mon the Caps and Mon Pacific FC. Bye, everyone. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
E F T F.